Which was it? Was it Kelly, y'all? Uh, no, actually, it's me, Dr. Lewis, not the third. What up, y'all? So, like last week, much of the same. Uh, still doing these recordings via Zoom. Um, so, um, if we talk over each other a little bit, that's because we're not all in the same room. Uh, we touched on another uh, sensitive topic, kind of extended what we did last week um, into this week. So, again, um, if you're if you're not allowed looking to uh, to listen more, talk a little less. This is again it's a good episode to uh to get all the way through because uh, we talk about a lot of a lot of different issues so it didn't feel right to put one of our normal funny cut-ups at the beginning of the show so instead you get me uh explaining to you what, what we're doing again uh so it's a good show enjoy the show and here's the weekend to take against police we aren't against police work but we are what, against what? thugs that's the weekend to take oh, <laughs> I, I appreciate the i word i, I understood that reference yeah. yeah yeah it's the uh it's the weekend to take back again uh, another, another ridiculous intro by your man dr lewis not the, the third, third. third? y'all y'all do it at the same time now so it's weird but daniel you know you have you have multiple days in between this one to go fix this. I don't understand how you keep getting this wrong, man. You know, I ponder it. I sit alone in my room thinking about this, but the more I think about it, yeah. you truly are the third. Please, please explain. Please detour into this ridiculous. Actually, on my screen, I got Terrell Huff one, me two, the third, and then Daniel's at four. I'm just saying, this, there's signs everywhere, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, like, you got Derek Lewis, the, the UFC fighter. Okay. Oh, okay. And then there's got to be another Derek Lewis out there. At I least one. <laughs> and, two, and then after that, it's you. No, there's oh, like oh. another famous Derek Lewis. That's good. Like, that's good. Third? Terrell's right. I actually you're probably, third you're probably like the third friend I ever made, I think. So I'm pretty oh. sure that's correct somewhere. <laughs> Possibly. Where is it history? Not watching via YouTube. Uh, let's Please continue with the introduction. <laughs> Well, we, we went on a major tangent there, but that's fine. That's what we do here. Uh, the person who always gets my name wrong, uh, Daniel Davidson, he is here. Yeah. <laughs> Yo! <laughs> Yo! Vespian Poppy himself has returned as well. Terrell Huff, say hi to the people. Indeed, sir. Double indeed, triple indeed. <laughs> and then, of course, my arch nemesis. I don't even know why he's still here. <laughs> Austin Brazina. What up, like, I'll get you some, Dave. What up, big fella? What up, big fella? <laughs> so we are we are all in the building again. Uh, another episode. We 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 finally back last week. Hope you guys listened to that episode. It was I think you know it was a little disjointed because of the new format, but it was still really good on content. We had our boy, uh, the real third, Ed White, Trey Blanco. He came and tore it up. Trey Blanco with his grill. Um, and so you know, if you listen to this one, you didn't listen to that one. Please go back because it was a um, it was an important episode. And I, th- I think it was, it was a good episode, despite us in the new format here. Um, today we're gonna we're gonna keep it moving because uh, uh, this never stops. We thought we were gonna kind of have a nice little just purely sports one today because the NBA is coming back, and then of course Kyrie Irving got into the mix and kind of kind of took us down a down a path. Um, and so uh, path right off the edge of the earth. It'd be like that sometimes. Yes, the Mr. Flat Earther himself took us took us right over the edge. Um, before we get into any more of that, I've already messed up. I've already said too much. We have to hit him with 
Terrell's first Say less. Before we can even get into the subject, Terrell likes to talk about things that you may or may not know about at that moment in time because that's just how he does. Yeah. He likes to talk. He's a talker. And yeah. so this is Terrell Huff's first take, sponsored by J&T Charters, official charters of the Memphis Grizzlies. Terrell. Well, I'll keep it brief this time. Um, oh, Harry, you. I know, right? Uh, Don't let him talk shit. And I know, <laughs> I know there's a contingent of other players. And apparently, from reading the article um, not too long ago, apparently it's not just NBA players. Apparently there's, you know, according to what he said and, and the statement that uh, this contingent of, of you know, athletes and, and entertainers and whatnot put out, Apparently, there's quite a few of them, um, as in hundreds, the way that it's it's written. And, um, you know, there's this idea that, well, we are trying to focus on social injustice or social justice and things of that nature. And my biggest concern is, is guess what? You can do both. Uh, the NBA has kind of been at the forefront uh, the last several years uh, when it's come to uh, like, for instance, it, you kind of saw it kick up a lot um, when th- there was like that – there was that intersection of Eric Garner uh, and his murder um, in New York, and it kind of was right along on the heels of uh, the situation that happened with Donald Sterling um, and the whole mm-hmm. issue with the with the, um, uh, with the Clippers and some things that he had said on some phone calls, and he kind of got exposed and, you know, he got put on blast because, you know, he was a little sloppy with the ladies. Now, that being said, you know – the NBA has kind of been at the forefront of some of this stuff, and they really have been a lot more forward with it than the other leagues are um, for obvious reasons when you look at, you know, the, the majority of their fan base. Um, so that's not surprising. Um, but that's also the same reason why I'm actually kind of not really understanding um, Kyrie's standpoint. Um, what I see is a guy that's making a lot of money, um, basically – saying, hey, you know what? I don't know if I'm ready to play right now. And uh, I get the Florida part of it because Florida is kind of a hot mess right now when it's coming to coronavirus. Uh, but that being yeah. said, when I look at the overall, I don't even, I'm not, I'm still not understanding after reading the story. I'm still not 100% understanding how the social justice and the protests and, and just bringing light to the subject I don't understand how that can't be done while they play or, or while they're, you know, however that process works out. You can argue about where the games are going to happen and the safety of that, but I don't understand how this part even came into it. So my first take on this is um, you're going to have to do a little bit more explaining for me, Kyrie. Um, David Wesley, I think, is also – not David Wesley, I'm sorry. What's the kid from uh, L.A.? I was like, is this the, the, my brain is. the kid, uh, um, what is it? Uh, no, I, I was just laughing. Oh, at the, the Lakers or the Clippers? Uh, no, it was the, he played for uh, the the Celtics, and then he ended up with the Lakers. He played for the Celtics, and y'all, he he actually played himself into a nice little contract, but then he bounced around a little bit after that. Um, but I can't remember his name. I apologize. But basically, the two of them were the face of this sort of like we don't we're not ready to go back and play. Don't try to force us mm-hmm. to go back and play, kind of a thing. And so. Those two guys kind of got together. But they're also, like I said, two guys that have probably got Kyrie especially. From a money standpoint, you know, when you think about the fact that probably 98% of the league doesn't make the kind of money he makes, um, right? saying let's not play, you know, because we've got social justice that we need to worry about and we got to do this 
it's sad because it kind of puts it in a light where it's like, oh, great. Now we got to pick between playing basketball and being social justice warriors. And it's like, you can do both, dude. Like we've mm-hmm. seen this in mm-hmm. the NBA. So that that's kind of my first take on it is like, dude, I don't understand. You can do both. Y'all been doing both. Um, it really yeah. is just a matter of, especially when you consider the NBA probably supports it more than any other league. So realistically, and I know there's some issues in regards to like standing for the national anthem and stuff like that. I know that that is something that supposedly you have to do in the NBA, but at the same time, you know, we've seen whether it's the clothes that they wear, whether it's the statement that they make visually during it. The point is, is that they've been given more avenues to get their opinions out and to um, bring light to certain subjects. They've been given way more avenues and way more leeway than other leagues have. So the idea that you can only have one with the other is I don't understand that. So that's kind of how I feel about it is it sounds a little bit odd to me that he's all of a sudden feeling like they can't do both. Were you talking about? Yeah, don't know what. You said Lou Will. Were you talking about Lou Williams? No, um, although Lou Williams has been pretty vocal in, in his own way. Oh, they, he he's a he's a backup guard for um, the Lakers. Um, defensive guy, uh, really good defender. Uh, oh, 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 oh! He was back with the Celtics. He was he was that dude. I literally just had this. Oh, Avery Bradley. Brett Avery there you Bradley. Go. Yeah, Bradley. Yeah. Avery Bradley was the other guy. He's with the Lakers now. And uh like Texas alum. guys that um Texas great. Uh, huh? Mm-hmm. The Texas Grapes. Oh. He did play for Texas. Uh, oh. Oh. <laughs> that's the proper reaction when you mention it. Oh. Uh, no, I mean if, if you watch college basketball, you would know him. Yeah, no, I mean, I knew of him. It's just I couldn't remember the name, and I don't know why David Wesley was even in my head. Like, I have no idea why. Because you've been watching too much Jordan documentaries and your mindset is completely locked into the 90s. I don't know, man. David Wesley's mm-hmm. way back. That's a way back machine right there. You're showing your age. Probably <laughs> <laughs> so, man. Hey, man. A better time. But yeah, so the only way I could see what, why, why Kyrie would think this is like a actual issue is because maybe if the game starts and people will focus only on the games, not really on the issues anymore. Like, okay, well, we can um, distract ourselves by just going back to sports now because, you know, most of America loves sports. Uh, a lot of white America loves sports. So maybe they're like, okay, well, all the sports isn't going on. Maybe I can watch something else because there's like sports on that I can watch. Yeah. And maybe Kyrie feels that they don't want to give them that out because, you know, if we don't play, then y'all have to sit there and listen, right. which I mean, it's, it's kind of a stretch because people can still watch other things they want to. Uh, my thing is kind of like you were saying, Terrell, is like you have such a huge platform mm-hmm. in terms of sports that people are going to watch sports. So if you do types of protest things, commercials and stuff for Black Lives Matter, for police brutality during an NBA game or during timeouts and stuff, then people will have to watch that. And more people probably will watch that as well because, you know, people want to watch sports. So that doesn't mean you still can't do demonstrations and such during the game. Um, another thing is kind of like you said, is that he is that elite of elite in terms of the amount of money he makes. So if he misses the rest of the games, he's probably like, Oh, I still have savings of, you know, whatever millions of dollars. When I kind of saw an article or a quote today from Ed Davis, he's actually a center for the Utah jazz. He's been in league for, I think like maybe 10 years, maybe more than that. So yeah, he has a lot, a lot of money too, but he was saying that, yeah, most of these guys, they need to go back to start playing because they're far hurting by now missing all these games. I think it's about maybe like $30,000 are losing the game that they don't play. And a lot of these younger guys or 
um, who are just new in the league, they don't have the mega millions. They need to, you know, save the money. They're probably paying for their family or other type of stuff too. Um, the younger stars, he mentioned like, um, what's his name? Donovan Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to be up for a contract extension. So if these games don't get played, it might affect the cap for next year. So while he could be making 160 million, he might be making now 90 million. So, I, I mean, I know it's a lot of money either way, but still in terms of being able to do what you want to do, that are two different, two different numbers, right? Yeah. Especially when the goal for the, some of the smarter athletes in any, uh, in any league, some of the smarter athletes, they're thinking generational wealth and they're thinking of yeah. ways that they can make sure that, Hey, if I have a kid and my kid isn't a professional athlete, you know, what else can, what can, what can I do to make sure the money's there for them to be able to do what they want to do and, 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 you know, not have to be concerned with whether or not they can dribble or shoot or whatever. And um, yeah, other aspect of it is that a lot of people don't think about the fact that these guys make, you could talk about how much money they make overall, but people don't realize they make a game check, as in they get a check per game. You know what I'm saying? Per game. But when you mm-hmm. think about the fines, when you think about all that stuff, they get per game checks. So that's a big this. Yeah. And when they're not playing, those per game checks aren't there. So, you know, mm-hmm. especially when you consider the fact that, let's be honest, I mean, professional athletes, most of them are not known for being frugal or at least just being smart with their money from a standpoint of setting money aside in case something like this happens, because I'm sure they didn't predict it. So, um, right. Yeah. Uh, okay. So anyway, so, um, it's a lot of <laughs> Dang. Yeah. I know what he was trying to do. I know what he was trying to do, but that was, a, that was a what, he's like, what he's like, what he's like, hey, hey, yeah. it's a lot harder to host when we're not all in the same spot. Because you got to use a little wave sign on there, man. That's what it's there I, I for. Was, what are you talking about? Do the shit like around the horn. Just mute everybody. I was, I was literally looking for <laughs> it, and I, could, I couldn't find it. But uh, <laughs> Terrell's first take somehow turned into Terrell and Daniel's first take, and then Terrell went back. No, and, he finished, and then we went into our discussions. But the, the, the only, the, Derek like, had to do his thing. He had to tell everybody why they're here. Hey, hey, it was all good stuff. They know why they're here, man. They're here for that real. <laughs> yeah, right off. Uh, tell them. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, you know what? So anyways, let's keep going. No, wait. Yeah, go on, man. Whoa, whoa. Hold on. It was all good stuff. Why you mad, son? Only problem is we didn't know anything about what we was talking about, which is the joke of Terrell's first take. So y'all said all this great stuff, and we haven't really set the set up the story um, from the entire standpoint. Of just, uh, I mean, we got the bare bones, but... There's a little more. Bare bones. What? You got, you got like a homie. You got like a seventy. Bare bones. There's a little more. We, we, uh, you know, I was, I was gonna set up the, you know, that the NBA had agreed upon a structure for the setup of coming back. You know, all this, uh, where, where are they gonna play? You know, I, well, actually, I, I wasn't gonna do any of that. I was do that kick, now. I was gonna kick it to Austin. Yeah, go. Austin, give him the what for. I wasn't prepared for this. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. To you. Uh. <laughs> NBA's coming back. And and, and that's today. awesome. What the what for? Thanks, <laughs> no, I mean I mean I didn't prepare for it at all, but basically the NBA's coming back. They agreed on a play structure. Uh, they're gonna come back and play eight exhibition games to determine seeding. And then from there they're just gonna enter straight into a tournament, uh, like you would normally in the postseason. Uh, with the potential for playing games, which would be pretty exciting, but I'll be honest, I don't know how they were gonna do that. I don't know if it's like a one and done or if they were gonna do a small series. So if anybody knows, I believe it. it's if the uh, the nine seed is in within uh, three games of the eight seed, they would do a playing game. Otherwise, they would just go straight yeah. into the playoffs. Okay, so they'll do a one-off playing game. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah. 
Um, so it just, that's all depends how close they were, though. Yes, uh, I thought if they were like within like two, then they they they'll play like three games. If they get two, then they can go in. If they're within one, oh, they're like okay. one yeah, the, like the AC the AC yeah. is uh, is basically in a double elimination tournament. The nine seed would be in a single elimination tournament. Roger, that makes sense. Yeah, so yeah, something like that. Yep. Uh, basically, uh, the NBA is coming back though, and they are going to be playing in Orlando. They're going to be playing at Disney World, and they are going to be isolated. There's not going to be anybody in and out. Everybody's going to be doing their own thing. So immediately, the concern is COVID. Uh, now, because America decided to pop off in the meantime. <laughs> now there's a new layer that's, that's entered the fray, and that's about whether or not they should even come back as a distraction to America in this very, very um, cha- life-changing time. I mean, that's what it is. It's mm-hmm. a very important time. So Kyrie, you know, you guys already touched on it, but Kyrie came out and is very firmly anti-coming back, saying that it will detract from the message, that it's detracting from the protests, that you, we, if we're out there doing this, then we're part of the problem. Um, because we're not protesting too, essentially. Uh, COVID isn't really the main story here, but COVID is its own thing, of course, because it's a huge deal. In fact, Ezekiel Elliott has COVID. <laughs> like, it just keeps – everything's crazy right now. Yeah. Um, but on top of that, some other players have come out. I know Dwight Howard did, of course. Dwight Howard said he was going to. LeBron said he's playing. He said, oh, we're playing. And then who was it that came out and said, hey, if LeBron's hooping, we're all hooping. <laughs> Williams. I mean, I mean, that was Lou. That was Lou. Yeah. Oh, that was no, Patrick Beverly. Oh, Patrick Beverly. Yeah, Patrick. Beverly. Oh, yeah. You know that's coming from Patrick Beverly. I mean, he's he's that one dude that's like it's business, not personal. If LeBron playing, everybody, mm-hmm. we all who say what you want to say. <laughs> so yeah, I mean that's pretty much the the big the big the big debate is whether or not it's right for NBA players to come back in this time, um, or at least that's the debate that Kyrie wants to be having. Well, Kyrie also, I mean, they also, um, it's boiled down to that, but they did also have some issues, some concerns about logistics, about not being able to see their families for an extended period of time. Um, because the event, the, when they initially come back, they're not going to be able to uh, see their family. And then once they get into the playoffs, I think some of their family will be allowed into the uh, quarantine bubble at that point. Uh, but for the initial eight games and such, um, before the playoffs get started and before they eliminate some of these teams, they're going to keep it to strictly uh, strict isolation pretty much. Um, and so there's some concerns over that. Uh, there's also some concerns because the the NBA owners, a lot of them now, there have been a few. Mark Cuban has been pretty vocal, um, as he normally is really on these kind of topics uh, about racism and, and condemning it and such things of that nature. But for the most part, the owners have been very quiet on these issues. And so the NBA players, well, some of the NBA players, are upset upset with that as well um, as they come back to try to make these owners some money. But of course, as you've all said, it's not just about making the owners some money. They have financial stake as this as well. Um, and so that, let's get into that. For, for me personally, um, this is one of those times, I think there's a few times where you have an argument. I don't want to say a few because there's more than a few. Uh, but sometimes you have an argument where I don't think that there's necessarily anyone who's particularly wrong. Um, uh, Kyrie, uh, from his perspective and from where he's thinking, um, basically to me, and I said this on, on the interwebs yesterday, uh, he basically just doesn't trust white people. And, and why would you? Um, when you've seen that, what's, I mean, what's the difference between why these protests have popped off and have actually getting, gone, gotten changed uh, moving as opposed to when Eric Garner died or as opposed to mm-hmm. when uh, Trayvon Martin died? Uh, and the NBA was in season and they did the I can't breathe things and we, it was spotlighted and they used their platform and they did everything as, as they should uh, because NBA players are always pretty vocal about this. So what's the difference between those times and this time? Well, one of the differences 
is that no one has pretty much anything else they can do right now except stew on their rage and their anger. Um, they have ample time to uh, call their senators. They have ample time to go protest. They have ample time uh, to do all these things. And that is because, for the most part, uh, distractions are gone. Movies, are, for the most part, aren't in session. And there's basically no sports to, to speak of right now. So when you take all the comforts and the luxuries and you strip it down and all you have left is, you know, being forced to look at political action, that, that matters. And it seems to have been at least part of the driving force as to why um, people are activated right now. And so there is a strong case for why the NBA, why would the NBA want to interrupt that um, and take that chance? Because there's a chance that like everyone, like the opposing side says that it'll just amplify their voices. Um, it'll be, you know, the focus will be on them. They'll have plenty of time to speak out. They'll be able to use their platform. All that is accurate. Um, and it, it, it could enhance the message, but it also could detract from the message. And so Kyrie basically is, I feel like, for the most part, besides some of the other grievances he's laid out, he's saying, I'm not going to take that chance because what I see right now is action. And what if when we give, you know, everyone their comforts back, everyone gets their toys back, they no longer have the time to do what needs to be done. Um, and so from a, if, if there was no other money tied, it, tied involved, I would say Kyrie's 100% correct. Unfortunately, there are, as Daniel already stated, he perfect uh, counter to Kyrie's point, which is everyone hasn't made the money you've made. Um, some people need these checks. Some people need this money. Um, and so that is a, is a, is a real other factor. Um, and I, I don't think it's even a incumbent upon us or even Kyrie or every individual player is going to have to make their own individual choice. And then as a collective, they'll ultimately make the choice as a group. Um, but I, I don't, this is one of those cases where I don't necessarily think there's a right or wrong answer. There is just an answer and then they'll have to go from there. I don't know if the uh, the terms of the comeback have specified whether or not they'll give players an option. Um, I'm curious about that now that I'm thinking about it. Like, you know, I was, I was kind of thinking in the back of my mind, like, you know, yeah, they need to come to group as a, they need to come together as a collective. But at the end of the day, can they morally tell somebody, hey, you've got to play when they don't want to. Now, in your job, you know, you've got to do your job or else you get replaced. I mean, it's kind of what it is, but they're in a very unique position, which is why Kyrie is able to flex his might in this case, because he has that power. Like he is that important mm -hmm. to the league. He has that potential. Um, so, you know, in one way, I'm, I'm really, really impressed that this is his hill that he's going to, you know, die on for better or worse, because his whole career, he's been kind of made fun of for being a weird thinker. But this is one of the times where it's actually paid off. Like he is his own man. And, and he's doing his own thing right now. Uh, but my curi my curiousness is like, okay, well, what happens if players don't want to? Are they going to be in trouble? Are they going to be fined? I, I personally don't know the answer to that, so I'm curious if, if y'all had seen anything about it. Because what happens if we do go to these playoffs and then you have a team with like seven players that don't want to play? I mean, what are the, what's, what's going to happen here? I mean, do they hold the Players Association liable? I, I really don't know what, what the answer to that is. Uh, be, uh, well, if they, if they decide not – if an individual player – because uh, I don't think they thought of this as a collective because really this was probably more in their minds as um, some people might not want to play because of COVID, which they were going to give them their opportunity to do that. Um, and they wouldn't be fined. They would, they would have the opportunity to sit out. Obviously they would not force them to try to play, but of course that, that comes with the consequence of they would then not get paid um, because they are not playing. They're not doing their job. Um, so that, that is what would happen as an individual deciding to not play. Now, if enough players decide not to play, that creates a whole different scenario. Um, and one would think eventually if enough players don't want to play, they just won't play. And then the owners will, you know, levy the 
consequences of what that does to the CB and all that accordingly, because um, there will be consequences. I thought, I thought they had mentioned something about getting replacement players if needed too. Uh, I didn't like see that. South kind of thrown around. I'm sorry, that. I think if there was an expansion of rosters. I know that it, instead of 15 players, it was now 17. And apparently, mm-hmm. if um, a team needs to pick up players, um, they can pick up a player that has been on an NBA roster, any player that has been on an NBA roster. The teams, I'm sorry, I just to clarify, the teams that are cut? No, that, like literally oh, any okay. player. Free agents. Be, like, yeah, like let's say there's a player that was on a roster – that on a team that wasn't even in contention. So they're not one of the, what is it, 16 teams? Or well, that's teams? what I'm saying. So, like, hypothetically, they could pick up, like, Devin Booker. I, I'm just asking, like – Oh, no, if the player yeah. is not under contract. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that's they're free agent, yeah. Okay, so they're, they're outside of the restrictions. Okay. Right. So mm-hmm. if somebody has become a, a free agent, uh, they can pick up any free agent. And, I mean, I didn't see the dollar ramifications of it. I didn't hear anything about whether or not that was going to, you know, salary cap or what have you, but basically it was, you know, they, they had expanded the rosters to 17 players and basically said that, or at least that's what the plan is, I think, and that they can pick up yeah. any player that was on an NBA roster. I don't think the NBA wants that. I mean, obviously they don't want that, but I, I think, I, I don't know. To me, it doesn't, that feels like the worst case scenario, but I mean, at the end of the day, I they, think want, they just want to get through this, 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 um, this contract though, for the TV contract, they kind of, yeah. you kind of have yeah. to go through it no matter what, just to kind of make sure that they meet all their clauses and, you know, requirements and stuff so they can have it for next year or going forward. I would think. It feels that way. So what do y'all feel about, uh, the grievance specifically as it relates to the owners and their involvement in, or, or lack of involvement in the social issues, uh, because this does have a tinge of why should I play for you when you don't really actually care about me, which is starting to permeate through, you know, even throughout college, we'll get into that a little later, but even in the NBA, some of this, some of Kyrie's animosity seems to stem from why would I go make you money right now when you're not even, you have all the time in the world and you've not stepped up to the plate. Um, where, where, where do y'all kind of land from that perspective on, on this? Uh, I, I guess I'll, I'll go first on that. Um, at the end of the day, it, I'm conflicted because, you know, I would love to say, like, oh, you know what, everybody needs to, to, to really step up to the plate here. But at the end of the day, it's a business. So I don't think morally the business – I mean, this is the problem with capitalism, but the, morally the business doesn't have an obligation to, to slow down for this. You would want them to. You know, yeah. you would think that, like, as a player, you would love to know that your owner's got your back and that your owner's going to stand up for stuff that you're supporting as a cause. But at the end of the day, that's not the power dynamic. I mean, the power dynamic is they want you to play basketball to make everybody money. And right. you'll get that money, too, as long as you play by our rules. So the problem is, you know, for me, are the rules unjust? Like, do I feel that the NBA is being unfair? And I don't. I mean, I, I, I wish that the NBA was being more vocal about this, more of a leader about this, and maybe Adam Silver can be the leader in this and, and force the NBA to, to protest. We can't force somebody to protest, but force the NBA to allow these protests, to allow demonstrations at every game, to allow whatever the teams feel is necessary and have player input and all that kind of stuff. That'd be fantastic. But at the end of the day, you're either going to play basketball or you're not. And if you don't, that's great. You know, more power to you. But I don't think it's fair to say that the owners are forcing you to play mm. if the players are voting to play. Yeah. So. Uh, for me on this, though, I, I'm actually on the side of what you're saying in terms of them feeling some type of way about the owners not having a statement or coming out in support because really for capitalism, it's about who holds most leverage. 
And for a player like, say, Kyrie Irving, he holds a lot of leverage because before he went to um, to Brooklyn, he had a lot of – pretty much every team in the league wanted him, right? And you probably picked Brooklyn because they're like, okay, we're a family. We'll take care of you. We care about you, X, Y, and Z. KD's here, all that kind of stuff too. So now he's like, okay, y'all maybe said this when y'all first were recruiting me, but now it's different. Or he's like, okay, if this is how you really feel, then maybe I don't want to be on the team anymore. So for a player like him, he can have that gripe and grief because he has that type of power to wave around and saying, okay, I want to leave, and that's going to hurt the, hurt the organization a lot. Or he said, I'll sit out, and that's going to hurt them a lot. Now for like a regular NBA player, no, they're not going to really be too concerned about how the owner really feels, I don't think, because it's like, well, I can't only go so many places to kind of get paid. Now, I might not, if I have an option, that I probably won't sign with this team. But if it's between just this team or, you know, going overseas, I'm still going to play for them or whatever. I just won't really have too much invested in the actual organization. I, I'm just here as like a mercenary or something, you know. Um, but, I mean, overall, though, when you're in that position of having, being like a high-profile employee, which is really what Kyrie is in terms of, you know, even if you're working for like a, a regular company or whatever, if you are high enough on the ladder, you can make certain demands. And they can do certain things because you add that much value to the company. Right. So I don't think it's really absurd for him to feel that type of way and feel that they should act a certain type of way if the high profile players are asking for that or most of the players are asking for that as well. So yeah, I don't think it's really yeah, any out of the realm for him asking for that. Yeah, I mean, I, it, felt, it felt to me like he was trying to – it felt to me like he was trying to take the bull by the horns and kind of speak for – what I feel like are some players that I mean, I I mean, I I'm not going to sit there and act like this is my own thought that I read as much. And when I read this story and I read this statement, um, he flat out said, um, I, I'm speaking for some players that don't feel like they have the leverage to speak on. He flat out said mm-hmm. it. That's what the statement says. There's a lot of players that are afraid to speak out because they're in a position where if the, you know, ownership decides, you know, that dude's causing trouble. We're going to get rid of that cat. Um, yeah. I, what I noticed was that he mentioned men, women. Um, he was talking about all kinds of athletes. So I don't – I honestly – that's an area where I am not 100% sure how deep this goes. But he gave the impression that there was a huge contingent of athletes that are, like, feeling this way about their given sport and their given team and that he didn't think it was fair that their voices aren't being heard. And so it was interesting because I got the impression that while understanding that he's in a little bit of a position where he can speak out because he's an asset to a team that a team probably feels is somewhat invaluable when you look at, you know, where Brooklyn could be if everybody, if all the pieces are in place, um, Mm. kind of felt like he could speak out and he's not going to suffer the repercussions that maybe, uh, you know, a guy that's maybe the sixth guy, the first guy off the bench or second guy off the bench probably wouldn't, you know, would feel. So um, that's the impression I got from reading the statement. Um, in regards to the the ownership, um, I got to be realistic with you, man. It, it We know that there are some owners out there that are outspoken on these subjects. You mentioned Mark Cuban. Um, but by and large, these owners are not going to do anything that's going to get in the way of them securing the bag. As rich as they are. Right. As rich as they are, I mean, let's be realistic. Most of these, a lot of these guys are billionaires, and I'm not, I'm not talking mm-hmm. about like like organizations like the Spurs, where you've got, you know, like a group of people that own varying percentages of a team. I'm talking about like these teams where like one guy owns the team. 
a Mark Cuban, uh, you know, um, um, uh, well, he passed away recently, but like a, a guy like Paul, uh, Paul Allen, um, uh-huh. you know, like guys like that. that Steve, Bom- Steve Ballmer. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Like dudes like that, mm-hmm. they have an option of where they can come out and say, Hey, you know what I'm saying? This is how I feel about this. If they don't, their feet aren't held to the fire the same way. I was listening to the radio and they were talking about Jerry Jones um, and how he hasn't come out. And my first thought was, who the hell expected him to? Hey, he like, donated a million to Trump. Don't forget. I'm a Cowboys fan. what they brought up. And yeah. my thought process, mm-hmm. and it was interesting because the guy I was listening to was saying, guess what? You can be both. You can feel for, for black folks in this situation while donating to Trump. <laughs> well, you say what you want to say. I'm like, I don't know about all that, bro. But that's what he was saying. And I was like, I suppose it is possible. But yeah. from the standpoint of where we stand today with no. <laughs> nah, bro. You can't, you, can't give, you can't give seven figures to that cat's inaugural whatever fund Mm-hmm. And turn around and try to convince me that you care anything about anything other than securing the bag. I think guys like Jerry Jones and unfortunately a lot of these guys that own NBA teams, I unfortunately believe that they care about black lives mattering about as far as they can either shoot a basketball or throw a football or hit a baseball and unfortunately, that's that's my thought on it. Is that I really feel like they care about Black Lives about as much as that, as much as it goes that far. That's it. And it's it's a sad reality. But no, I'm not. You know, it, I don't expect any of these owners. Um, you know, Mark Cuban been speaking out, so I'm not shocked. Yeah. Um, you know, the guy, the usual suspects are there. Uh, there's no absence of the usual suspects that are speaking out on these subjects. So. I'm not shocked when I don't hear from some of these other guys. Okay. So what, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, if maybe I had even a slight tiny bit of, as you could call it surprise is, uh, my man's in New York. Um, um, what's the, what's the owner of the talking about, You're talking about James Dolan? Dolan. Oh, like, Dolan. <laughs> the only reason I say, the only reason I say I have a tiny little itty bit of surprise that Dolan hasn't said something. And it's only because of one reason. Because that dude is already in a mode where he needs to try to figure out how to do something to not look like such a dumbass. You think but so? It's not <laughs> happening. And, and so it's like, I would have thought he would have at least tried something. I think they put a, one of them lame-ass statements out. But other than that... They, bring, bring, they Spike Lee out. bring Spike Lee in. Bring Spike Lee in, man. No, they don't hate Spike Lee. No, I know that. I know that. That's what I'm saying. He's more like he's been doing for 30 years. Oh, that story was funny. They they kicked they kicked my man Spike Lee to the curb like they did him like Radio Raheem when he tried you know to come to the back door where he been coming to the back even, door. Be even oh, nice. Oh my god! <laughs> be even, <laughs> like Radio you don't even have to. Nobody know nothing about. Oh, oh my god! Y'all tell me y'all know about Radio Raheem. Right thing, I know what Radio Raheem. Yeah. I'm saying that's why. But the way you said, come on, man, y'all had to give me that one. I feel like Captain America. You don't even have to. You Radio Raheem. <laughs> I'm just saying though, like they they strung my man up trying. He been coming in the back door of Madison Square Garden, you know, for 30 years, and they and they played yeah. him like. And I'm like, so 
I'm surprised. I'm not surprised at all that they haven't been, been able to get Spike Lee to come out and, and, and rep the Knicks. I mean, Spike Lee is always going to be more the Knicks than probably any player that has ever played for the Knicks. That being said, yeah. you know, it's like you burnt that bridge, which is exactly what I'm saying. It's like Dolan at some point got to be like, man, I got to start to repair at some point. And it's like, no, he's just letting those warning lights come on in the dashboard. And he's just like, fuck it. And the dash, and he just keep but, driving. And I'm like, nah, man. Honestly, I feel, I feel like Spike Lee's like, why am I going to save you now, though? After all those people me, why am I going to save that's you like now when you – Yeah. Spike is like, nah, bro. Oh, yeah. Spike, Spike ain't going to save him. He's petty as fuck, too. Yeah. When you lost – And he should be. He should be, but – but I'm saying you don't even have to. You don't even have to do a handshake. Like you could just advertise the Five Bloods on Madison Square. Like do something like that. Just be like, yeah, we're we're down. He's not going to. James Dolan is okay. who he is. Do something. Well, y'all hit on something that's uh that's pretty interesting, and that's you know, we all kind of have an expectation of what the NBA owners will do. Um, the mm-hmm. interesting question here, I think, is what should we expect them to do? Because that's really become what this movement's about, right? Um, people wielding people trying to speak truth to power and see what we can force you to do. Um, and Daniel hit on that with the, the players. Um, where uh, are they going to kind of put their loyalties at and, and how are they going, what, how are they going to assert their power, Kyrie Irving, uh, to try to get the desired result? And so for me, that kind of manifests itself into, I have to know what the players want and then kind of ride for it. Cause again, it comes back to, I feel like there are very valid ways to handle this on both sides. And it reminds me a lot of the Clipper situation with Donald Sterling. When Donald Sterling, all that stuff came out about him being racist, everyone wanted the Clippers to boycott. Everyone said this was the moment. This was the moment to boycott, to, to, to get that NBA game canceled. And they didn't do that. Instead, they did a gesture where they threw their, their, um, the uh, their warm-ups up in the middle of the court. And, you know, that was how they decided to, to you know, to voice their, po- their power. And I actually defended that at the time, and I still stand by it, because there was no need to burn the house down at that point. They were already going to get what they wanted, which was Donald Sterling getting evicted from the NBA. So protest isn't about, you know, isn't really about gestures. It's about wielding your power so that you can get the desired change. If you're already getting the desired change, there's no point to protest, for the most part. I'm not saying symbolic gestures don't matter at all, but, you know, for, for the most part, once you're getting what you want, there's no reason for you to sacrifice yourself. Um, in this moment, there is a reason to sacrifice. Um, but I can't be the ones, I can't be the one to tell them what they should be willing to sacrifice for this moment uh, because it's going, to, it's going to take sacrifice. If you cancel, if you effectively wield your power to cancel the NBA season, that's, that's a sacrifice. That's going to mean something um, and it's going to affect the owners um, and it's going to affect the players too. Um, and that's and that's what protest is. You exercising the power you have um, to try to force change upon uh, someone who is more power than more powerful than you, wielding the power you do have um, to affect mm-hmm. change. Uh, but I have to know, you know, that's what they want because there's also another way you can affect change, and that's through what some people have said as the counter to this. We get in, we get, we make our bread. Uh, we, you know, we be, become more of the system. Um, we wield more of the power. Um, we have more generational wealth, and then we make change that way. And there's an argument for that. Um, that there's a legitimate argument that that's the way you can affect change in this particular situation. They use their platform in addition to that um, and try to spotlight this and try to put more political pressure via that avenue. Um, and they give everyone their entertainment back. But there is, I do think um, we have an obligation to not just let the owners off the hook from the standpoint of just saying, well, 
this is what they're going to do because of capitalism. So that's fine because it's, it, it, what this has been about and what this should be continue to be about is black people should be tired of them using our bodies, our labor, our intellectual uh, content without giving us the due respect in return um, of keeping us safe, of, of, of making programs that will uplift and, and, and get rid of the generational sins of slavery and, and oppression um, because that's what they do right now. Um, they profit off of our, you know, uh, off of our entertainment in all avenues. Um, and we, they, they, we, they don't give us enough back. Um, that's just the bottom line. That's just the facts of the matter. And so I think it's a rightful grievance to say, Hey, when I'm shooting baskets and I'm a free agent, as Daniel said, you, you coming at me and talking about all this family stuff, uh, but you're donating to Trump. That doesn't make sense. Why are you donating to a man who at every step of his life is a proven racist who has wielded his power against black people. This isn't, this is, he, he has discrimination. Uh, he has housing discrimination lawsuits against him. He has a, a track record of terrorizing the central park five who have been, um, a, a, who have been proven to be innocent. Um, he has a history while in office of dismantling uh, and attempting to dismantle uh, civil right, hard worn civil rights um, gains not only for black people uh, and other people of color, but for the trans community and for the, L for the LGBTQ community. So shout out, shout out to them. They got a big win. Supreme court. Yeah. Based them up. We, we celebrate that as the uh, administration tries to do its job. The Supreme court had a tough and, and, and gave us a victory today. So we, of course we care about that, but you can't, but bottom line to something that Terrell said, there is no argument for this man that you support this man, but you also think black lives matter. There is none. There is, you can pretend and you can sit in your bubble and you can try to think that. But if you look at president Trump's track record, if you look what he's literally trying to do once he has been given power, if you look at how he's wielded his power throughout life, there is no argument to say that that man cares anything about me and my struggle and my people's struggle. When you look at everything he has done. So those things are incongruous and it's time that players held the owners accountable in some respect for trying to toe that line. Um, and we have to hold them accountable a, a, as well. Um, we, we can't just say, well, capitalism and we expect it of them. So that's what it is because I think we're past that point and we're trying to, we're, we're trying to build past that point. And the only way to do that is to, is to hold them accountable. It's the same principle as when we let them get away with that during the collective bargaining of, Oh, we're, they're trying to take away your entertainment. And we're, we're, we're the guys who are trying to give you back your entertainment and, and the media kind of sits in the middle of that. Right. Um, and to me, that's always been the wrong way to do that. That's not, that's not how you cover those things. Um, you can't play the fence in, in, this, in this situation. I'm not saying that any of y'all were doing that. I'm just saying, I think it's incumbent upon us in this moment, no matter what the players choose to make sure we're holding the owner, owners accountable, especially when we see how easy it is to say something. Um, you don't have to say everything, but you could say a little bit of something. Even the NFL did that a little bit. Um, and so, I think it's incumbent I, that my point would be no matter where we side with the players on this or where the players come out, because obviously it's not going to be a unanimous decision either way. Um, we can always support that. And there's valid arguments on both sides where there are not valid arguments is not holding uh, the owners accountable. Yeah. And not and, to hijack this point, but uh, okay. Goodell just came out about it less than an hour ago, uh, encouraging the signing of uh, college Ka Colin Kaepernick. He did that a year ago. Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. Bob, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Oh, Goodell specifically came out and basically said, I encourage NFL teams to sign him to a contract. So it's as opposed to, hey, uh, 
we'll, we'll, we'll give you a contract if you sign this. It's more along the lines of like, he, he's encouraging it, which I feel like he was almost backed in a, into a corner to do. Honestly, that sounds like he's giving teams permission, which is even more fucked up. Which whatever. makes it work. Exactly. And <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying. saying. I'm like, he's not a GM. Why, why, who cares what yeah. he's saying? <laughs> Sorry, guys. It's yeah. cool to sign Kaepernick now. We're over it. <laughs> that almost makes me less optimistic because then it comes off like, I'm not stopping anybody from doing it kind of a situation. And then when nobody does it, it's like, okay, I got that cop out. Like, well, hey, man, I, I encouraged it. That's been the circular logic from the beginning, right, is yeah. if he was an NFL quarterback, he would be signed. So whenever he is not signed, ergo, it proves he is not an NFL quarterback. And so Roger Goodell's permission slip, as it did the last time they tried this, when they held that faux, you know, the tryout. Uh, tryout thing, it's just – a way to make it look as if they have changed their minds or, and, or, you know, never been the one standing in his way when really that's not the case as a, as a ownership group, they've all blackballed him from the league. So whether Roger Goodell, and we all know Roger Goodell wields almost no political power within that system. He works for them. Um, but so, wouldn't that, wouldn't that add to the whole argument about, about collusion though? If it's like, okay, well, I think they should sign him now and he gets signed. It's like, okay, well, since you gave the league's blessing and someone signs them, does that mean you're withholding because yeah. you didn't have the blessing before? You're looking court. Have the whole argument from the, from the, yeah, from the whole point. It's like, it's collusion, obviously. <laughs> oh yeah? Prove it. Prove it, Daniel. It's the wording of it. I feel maybe. like it's the wording of it. It's like, you know, it's one thing if you want to come out and say collectively, whether people believe it or not, no one in the, you, if you want to say nobody in the NFL is stopping this from happening. Okay. I mean, mm-hmm. people are going to make, people are going to make a choice whether they believe it or not, but to come yeah. out and say, I encourage this is almost like, again, I'm encouraging it. Now, look, I can't, I'm just a dude that works for these other 30 dudes uh, that are really, mm-hmm. really old and really, really white and have a lot of money. And they probably going to tell me to go get bent. But I'm just telling y'all that, I mean, whatever, I'm with it. You know, and that to me is like, you ain't helping, bro. Okay. It, see, thank it, you. Seems, yeah. like, it seems like they must have some cover uh, with that settlement agreement that they reached with him to where he probably can't bring up the collusion. Sure. He can't lay the collusion uh lawsuit back at their feet so i mean that's the reason they feel covered in saying this in the first place but i mean it's gonna look pretty suspicious if all of a sudden colin kaepernick is on an nfl team after you know the de facto leader of the nfl has said hey it's 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 time it's it's time to give him a job well you know why did you why would you put yourself out there because then you almost make it look like as if you were the guy that was like everybody was waiting for your blessing. I mean, everybody knows other. Yeah, but it's I mean, like it's you make it look like, oh, he has he has spoken. Like you ain't got no power. I bro. mean, truthfully, that's probably what it is, man. They probably told him, all right, we need to get Kaepernick on the team, Roger, yeah. make the announcement. So, so yeah, I mean, but if, if you were if you, if you take it as he represents the owners, because let's be realistic. I mean, he doesn't really represent the players. If you take it as he represents the owners and he's giving you, he's like the press secretary for the owners. And he's basically saying, I'm going to come out and I'm going to say this. Are you guys with it? Yeah, man, whatever. And then he goes out and says it. It's like, okay, so now what? You know, I mean, I'm, yeah. I don't know. Man. If the NFL was smarter, they would simply, you know, 
behind some backroom dealings and, and try to keep it as under wraps as possible. Yeah. They would figure out what team is going to sign this man. And then once he is signed, then you would say, this is what we wanted all along. We're glad he's back in the league. And then you release a statement that way and you do it behind closed doors instead, because the NFL, I don't know why for an, an organization that's, I don't know, that's at the top of its field in terms of the sports world. They're so bad at these things. They're so bad at PR, and it's really not even the hard PR. They're just really bad. And yeah. so this is – Hey, man, they still got the backup. Ain't broke, don't fix it, right? I mean, so they can make a billion. <laughs> so risk-averse that I really believe that's where a lot of their flaws come from is that they try to do the bare minimum because if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. And so a lot mm-hmm. – when, you when you're playing scared, that's when you make your most mistakes, right? And the NFL is always playing yeah. scared. And you said that. I mean, you talked about it with the CTE thing, with the helmet. You, you talked about. You've talked about that before because that's. It, it, but that's what they're proving to be doing is like we're going to do something when we absolutely have to, mm-hmm. because oh great, the, the the world is going this direction, the country is going this direction, our fan base might be going this direction. So hey, let's let, let me join the team. Let me get on the bandwagon and let me make it look like I'm contributing. And it's like, you know, yeah. I, I know they're giving the money. What, what, what is it like? Is it like 250 million over 10 years? Over 10, a hundred or 250, over 10, some over 10 years. I, I could have swore it was two, 250 million. The only reason, cause I had 25 million a year stuck in my head, but pretty, pretty decent chunk of money that they're giving out. I, I, for some reason, mm-hmm. I think there was a story that initially it was lower and then, and like a contingent of players went and was like, nah, bro, I need to be more than that. And then, like, <laughs> it, like went up, but um, I, so like, I, and, call, and I thought it was two hundred and fifty million over ten years. Um, but that being said, that's that's nice, um, you know. But again, if I'm not hearing an admission and an apology to Colin Kaepernick, call me a, a homer because I'm a Niners fan, whatever. But if I'm not hearing an apology and uh, some some additional you know i'm not i'm not even saying somebody got a sign to do i want to hear an apology and then they need to mm-hmm. come out and they need to undo all the nonsense that they put out there about this dude john elway out here lying talking about they offered him x amount of dollars and did all this stuff when they didn't um you know all these all these uh coaches and and, and you know these these assistant coaches and and some of these knuckleheads that's out here these so-called executives claiming that he wasn't a good player and all that nonsense yeah. especially when it's like these guys are these are guys that he he like these are guys that he bodied when he was playing like th- you look at like you can go back and look at tape of some of the dudes that are talking the most trash about this dude from an executive standpoint and from a coaching standpoint the coaches that have come out and said bad things about him go and look at tape of the two and a half three years four years whatever it was when he was kind of at the top of his game and I'm telling you he was bodying these dudes teams like it was hilarious and people were like oh he has no touch on his passes he only throws fastballs duh, 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 duh. and there's literally video evidence it's like when trump comes out and tweets some dumb shit and then you find a tweet from 10 years ago and it was like he's the opposite it's the oh, same boy. thing we can't do it's like they say he can't do all these things and there's literally tape of him doing those things to the team of like the guy that's saying it. I mean, so it's nonsense, man. They need to come out and they need to be like, hey, man, we was wrong. They were. It, about it, everything it, but you, What you were doing is a lot better than what's going <laughs> <Yeah>. on. <laughs> well, what's funny? Glad also. No, no, I'll just say, like, that's basically what they did. They were like, we're wrong about everything except Kaepernick. Fuck him. Right. Like, that's basically. 
We'll yeah. say that man's name. That's a that's the biggest disrespect out of all of it. They won't even say that cat's name. They literally try to put him down. When you look at the rosters, or when you look at there's some sort of database or something where it shows like the act the status of players. They put him in there as retired. His girlfriend had to go in and put them on blast on Twitter for them to change him to NFL quarterback. Because he's not yeah. officially retired. They are doing everything they can to erase this dude from history. But I'll be damned if I try to tear down a statue of uh, of General Lee. Get the fuck out of here. This is a, a thought experiment. <laughs> yeah, for real, for real. Come on. This sir. is a, a thought experiment. Do y'all think Kaepernick's getting in the hall? No. Like, I'm not for, dumb. I mean, he – Not for game. Not for game. No, not for body of work. I, no, I, obviously I can, not. I can say at some point, yeah, because yeah. of his uh, work for, for – um, for social justice. That's yeah. what I'm saying. No, definitely not for body of work. Like, I mean, there's, honor, there's no honor. way. You believe no, that the NFL actually cares about those things. See, and I don't know. That's what I'm thinking. That do you, right do, are you optimistic that 20 years from now the NFL will be it. different? I'm just I curious. I would love to see it. No. I would love to see it. Um, because, first off, the NFL is so strict with their Hall of Fame in the first place. They, I mean, they are, but – They're way stricter than the NBA, yeah. They're like probably – even they're probably even more strict than baseball. It's a, it's a really high bar to get in the Hall of Fame, and they do have a contributor section, but it takes the contributors a long, long time and a long body of work to get in. It's like um, here you've been doing NFL mm-hmm. for eighty years. Here's your award. Yeah, and usually you're dead unless you're like Jerry Jones. Um, usually by the time you've done it, you're dead. Um, yeah. And so yeah. like I, I'm not asking. I'm not. Op- you know me. If there's an answer for the NFL, I'm on the opposite side. <laughs> but, <laughs> but also, just I just don't see them thinking of it in that terms, in those terms, in in modern history, um, in our lifetime. Maybe, okay. maybe 60, 80 years down the road, maybe things will have changed, and they'll start thinking of things in that nature. Um, when you think of his impact on the game and how it will reverberate throughout history, um, there's certainly an argument that he could be in as a contributor. Um, as long, as well as you know, he had some pretty decent seasons. Not that that would get him in based on those seasons, but yeah. when you when you factor in, he was an elite quarterback for a little bit with the contributions to the game via his social justice work. That's a pretty strong strong case. Um, and to, to piggyback off Terrell's point, what's what's interesting about this kind of stuff is it's not even there's always all this representational stuff. And I'm not again, I'm not saying that that stuff's bad. Um, like you know, we clowned the uh, Democratic Congress. Members of the Congress the other day, as, as children <laughs> somersaulting in the background to be on. It was good form, man. It was good form. They're so it was. They're gonna somersault in. Um, so we, uh, and we, you know, we clowned the members of Congress the other day for you know the kente cloth and all that kind of stuff. And it's like we, we yeah. don't need your gestures per se. We would rather have actions. Right. And so that's another one that point thing. is well taken where it's like we don't need the NFL to continuously do all these gestures. Yeah. Right. You're wrong. Yeah. Fix, so fix what you've done. I fix the situation. I mean, yeah. it, it, and, and I keep harping on the Kaepernick thing. But, you know, the fact that apparently Goodell made this statement today means I believe that he actually had to say Colin Kaepernick's name, which is crazy to me because literally he has avoided saying Colin Kaepernick's name. Like, so, I mean, I really hope, I'm not optimistic, but I hope it leads to something. But nah, man, I I don't know that I envision him in the Hall of Fame, um, at least not in the capacity Uh, of- Austin, are you, it keeps getting darker and darker wherever you are. I'm I'm in nighttime. Yeah, it's because, it's (laughs) because- Austin so if I had the light up behind like me, it'd be too bright. Austin is starting to look like that poster of um of Suge Knight, Snoop Dogg. 
Doctor. What's if I? What's funny is that like, the camera's got a light on it, so like if I get farther away, I'm just gone. <laughs> anyways, <laughs> to the background. Anyways, uh, I was gonna say to tie to tie back into what what you guys were talking about before. Um, well, specifically, just real quick, the reason I bring up the Kaepernick thing, anyways, is because I think it's kind of interesting. I personally don't think what Kaepernick's done is is I don't want to say it like this because it's it's dismissive, but I don't think he did anything unnaturally heroic. Like I think he just did something he thought was right, and it just happened to be what pissed off enough white people to talk about it. And so it became like this huge thing. I think personally what he did is amazing and I respect it a lot. But at the end of the day, all he really did was just kind of do his thing. And and it became like what it said, is now. It was, it was right. So I think if anything gets into the hall about it, it should be to acknowledge the fact that the NFL, this period of time, the NFL was covering up a lot of stuff and, and it had problems, but I don't, I don't know if the NFL is willing to ever admit that. So I, I have no idea. I was just curious what y'all thought on that, but to tie it back to what you were talking about. Originally, uh, I, I would say that there was there's a bit of uh, heroism with it though, uh, heroics with it though, because once he got going, it was pretty obvious that he was putting his entire career on oh, the line. Yeah. No, it was pretty obvious that more than half of well half of America had turned on him, thought that he was a traitor to his own country, started causing him all kinds of crazy things. So for the fact that he kept going with it after all the initial backlash, I think that is pretty heroic that he stayed with it. Doing the first time, he said, yeah, he's kind of wanted to protest and kind of speak up about it. But once he kind of saw what really America was about in terms of what he was doing, yeah, I don't know what some people that could have stayed with us the entire time and still champion it and still kind of just almost have lost your entire career. Things you, a game you've been playing probably since you were a little kid, your entire life, which you've been dreamed of doing and kind of gave it up in your prime. That's something that I don't think too many people even you know nowadays could do. Just no, knowing I, what, what would happen. And I kind of, that's why I didn't really want to say it that way, but I, I, that's exactly how I feel about it too. Like it's extremely great the way he did everything. Like he stuck to yeah. it and he, he literally lost his career for it. I mean, it's just bottom line. He lost his, everything that he worked for, um, for something he believed in. But um, I, like I said, that was just more of a thought experiment. It, it feels like people are almost madder that his profile is arguably bigger than what it was even as a player. Mind you, this this dude quarterbacked the team to the Super Bowl. And I believe mm-hmm. it's what three straight, uh two or three straight NFC championship games. He he quarterbacked the team. He was special on the field. And I think oh, yeah. a lot of the people that that are on the opposite side of what he's been trying to do almost seem to be angrier about the fact that his profile is probably bigger than it's ever been. Um, yeah. When you look mm-hmm. at it from a standpoint of he's still out there doing the work and he refuses to even, he, the funny thing is he refuses to come out and toot his own horn about it. You don't see him on TV every day. You don't see him, but yet other people are talking about him. And other people are saying, you need to say his name. Other people are saying, you need to give him his props. Apologize to him. Do this, do that. Other people are saying that. And it's almost, it feels to me like when I look at like just whether it's Twitter or whether posts about him or stories that are derogatory towards him, it's interesting because they seem almost enraged at the fact that we got we got this guy out of football. They blew him out of there because they didn't want to hear what he was talking about. And he's mm-hmm. still having an impact. Yeah. And it could, almost feels stop me like there's they're that much angrier about it. And the funny thing to me is in an ironic sort of way, it's like, huh, I bet you if you would have just let him do his thing, is it possible that maybe we're not 
here right now. So for us, that might be a bad thing. But for them, those that are against mm-hmm. this whole situation, yep. they probably would prefer to have it where he was just kneeling on the sideline and, and bringing attention to it and talking about things that were happening. But yet, yeah. you don't have all the other things that are happening. Because right now, this feels like a shift. Real, it is. Real. Well, that, that this is feels the, real. And he was one of the dominoes that led to it. There's exactly. no disputing it. I mean, no they, yeah. they have no choice but to link him to that forever. Forever. Mm-hmm. They have no choice but to link him to what you see happening right now. Because everybody's going to say, that dude did what you are saying, you're claiming that you want people to do. You claim that you want people to just be quiet and protest in a quiet way or, you know, kind of be reserved and, and you know, do it. You, you say you want that, and that's what you have. Now we've realized that you never listened to that and you didn't care about that. So guess what? Here we are. So yep. you had it your way already. Well, that, that's kind of uh... – that's another reason, you know, in addition to, you know, not being able to do anything because of quarantine, that's probably another reason these protests have kind of taken have taken root this time is because one of the main, you know, criticisms was, well, why don't you do it this way? And and there's receipts now, right? We, we right. did it that way. We literally had a dude, uh, like Terrell said, the ironic part is that he kind of has, like, there's no way when Kaepernick thought he was going to do that thing, he thought it was going to turn into this. He probably right. thought, hey, I'll, right. make, I'll make my stand. Um, it'll get a little bit of – it'll get rowdy for a little bit, but it'll it'll calm down, and then it'll kind of go back to business as normal. Um, and then it just turned into this thing. It's like MLK, except without – I don't think it was as willful. MLK is very uh, willful with how he chose to exercise civil disobedience. Right. With Kaepernick, it kinda, he kind of fell into that kind of role where he where the reaction is really what powers – with powered everything. If 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 white people didn't react this way, there wouldn't be. There really it, it wouldn't foster as much change. Yeah. Um, the reason that we 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 were able to gain civil rights gains is because when you turn on TV, you see dudes getting uh, sprayed with water hoses. That that elicits a reaction, right? So now you see a dude getting his job taken away and his livelihood and death threats and all that kind of stuff over simply not standing. That, that, that elicits a reaction, especially in comparison to when now people are starting to, you know, exercise other forms of protest. And so mm-hmm. in a roundabout way, and as Terrell's, to Terrell's point, um, the reaction to what he did is what makes, is what's made this movement possible, where if it had gone a different way, it might have just kind of flared out. Um, uh, and we would have maybe had to wait a little longer on some other, you know, powder keg moments to, to kind of pop off instead of instead of this slow kind of grind that we've been on since 2015 towards this moment. Yeah. And and I think what what was – you guys are saying it was ironic, and it is. I mean, it's ironic he didn't expect it to pop off like that. But for me, this is all – this all happens because that racism was so thick. Yeah. Like, they just couldn't yeah. let one guy do that. If they couldn't mm-hmm. abide – one person standing up for it, they had to open their mouths. And because of that, it became so much bigger of a problem. Like, it, it, to me, it just, yeah. it just highlights how big that thing is. Like, if you go about your life and you're so bothered by this man, I mean, what's that say? And that's, that's basically what, what popped everything to, to what it is now. But to kind of like backtrack on some other things that y'all talked about, because there's, there's something I wanted to, to talk about before when you were talking about the owners and their obligations and the Trump. I think, Derek, you, you brought up a really great point. I mean, you named four easily actionable things that owners could do 
that would go a huge way. They could set up, you know, pro-black coalitions inside inside any any meaningful um, inner circles. They could set up funds to help alleviate uh, economic discrepancies. They could set up all of these things to mitigate the economic loss of all of black entertainment being soaked up by white people. And and it's not all of it, but I mean, it's enough of it that it's, it's happened this way forever. And that, that's, that, those are actionable things, like just little baby steps, but they just won't do it. They right. won't do it because we billionaires just can't. I mean, we, we deify them all the way, but people talk all the time about how, you know, it's easy, like there's a phrase, what is it? It's easier for a camel to fit through a needle hole than for a billionaire to get into heaven. Because when you get to that point, you're just you're just not a good person. You don't view yeah, people as people. A lot of people. Yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. Like, I mean, to make a billion dollars, you have you have to do so so many morally questionable things. That that's why when people are like, that's why Batman's quite unrealistic, and that's why uh, yeah. people are like, why aren't there billionaires out here being Batman? Is because well, they don't have the moral <laughs> compass yeah. of yeah. Batman. Well, an unrealistic it's an unrealistic thing iron, iron man and batman are like the most unrealistic superheroes we probably have based yeah on iron man if you think about the fact things. that look at their origins though because i mean depending on which take on those characters you think about i mean even the first iron man movie i mean let's be realistic he was just making bombs and shit and blowing up people and it was like hey no big deal we make weapons yay and you know he was doing his thing out in the middle of the desert and it was like questionable and then he has this epiphany and it's similar with like um uh, uh nolan's batman where it was like although it was weird with him because it was almost like he was playing the bad guy that kind of a jerk as a cover for was, this uh, other mm-hmm. guy that he was like you know when he rolled up with the two chicks in the, in the in the lambo and they're like lapped up on each other like that was like peak like oh my god i like, love christian bale but that but scene it, it's that like scene where christian bale already. crashes the lambo to stop the, the ambulance <laughs> and they're like bruce what are you doing here and he's like why is he important i was like i'm just trying to make the night like you know this is too much too different this is too much of like yeah but i so one of them, it was almost like a cover. I'm going to act like a douchebag and I'm going to be this other guy and nobody's going to believe I'm Batman because I'm such a douchebag in real life. But then on the other hand, you you do actually have a guy that was a douchebag and, and he actually kind of mm-hmm. remained one throughout. <laughs> like, well, so like the beauty of, of those stories, I mean, this is a tangible, whatever. The beauty of those stories is like the, the beauty of Iron Man is that like it's it's all make-believe, right? But at the end of the day, like look what would happen if one billionaire started caring. We know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously it's hyperbole, but at the same time, like, is it that much hyperbole to think like what would happen if this dude started doing good and all of a sudden he became a literal superhero? Like, that's the kind of power that this man had just right. because he was rich. But, but, uh, I mean, that's but, idealism. Unfortunately, in, in real life, what happens is Tony goes off the desert, he comes back, him and Obadiah Stan have that meeting, right, where he tells him about the arc reactor, and he's like, Tony, we can't make no money this way. And Tony's like, oh, that's right, you're right. And they, you're go, right, back, right. And they go back to their business. My favorite Iron Man story is when he gave all of his employees a $2 wage increase for four months because there was a pandemic, <laughs> and then he took it away at the end. That was my favorite Iron Man story. <laughs> that, that didn't happen? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, to, to tie back to that other stuff, though, so because uh, you were talking about the owners and the personal accountability, um, and, you, and you touched on Trump. I mean, yeah, to Daniel's point, like, how, how, like fuck the owners in, in the sense that I'm a person who – 
who like I know you don't care about me because it's the same thing when you're talking about people who voted for Trump. I mean, one phrase that I've heard, heard tossed around a lot, which I love, is you don't have to be racist to, to support Donald Trump, but by supporting Trump, you're saying you're okay with racism. Yeah, I mean that's what it is. You're you're not you're not personally being racist, but you're saying it's cool. It, it's not a deal breaker. Racism is not right. a deal breaker if you support Donald Trump. Right. So then you turn around right. and, and you have an uh, an entire field of athletes that you're you're taking care of, um, and that imagery a field of fucking athletes. I mean, that imagery isn't lost. Like this is literally they're out there working, making you money. And that's how you view people when you're an owner like that. So you would want your owner to have a little bit of compassion to have just a, a degree of like, all right, look, look, what can we do? Because Mark Cuban can do that to an extent. I mean, obviously he, he's not without his own flaws, but Mark Cuban has that, that quote unquote personability to him that makes him mythic. Imagine if any of the other owners had an ounce of that that personality of like, hey, come talk to me. Let's see what we can do here. Well, I mean, are we talking? I mean, let's be honest. Cuban, what is that? That's tech money, right? Yeah, yeah, um, and investment money. It's him and believing right. in people and now look at the NFL. I mean, how much oil money, gas oh. money, um, Reliance uh, Stadium. I mean, shit, uh, o- yeah, Oilers. You know what I'm how much oil money, energy, whatever? You look at that money, and then you look at the age. And it's obvious, like, there's a reason why, I mean, I, I'm, it, you know, it's sad because I'm a Niners fan, but I can't, I don't recall what the Yorks, what, I, I don't recall what their, their thing is. I have oh, the Yorkshire Yorks. No, I'm just playing. Huh? The Yorks. Oh, the Yorks. Like, I know DeBartolo, <laughs> like, because, you know, DeBartolo's daughter took over and then now her son has taken over. But, like, I, I don't know what their money originally came from but that being said yeah look at you can look at like these owners specifically in the nfl and and to a lesser extent in the nba because realistically it's weird to me but i feel like the nba's owners don't have as big of a profile as nfl owners do um and so it's interesting because it's like when you look at the age of these owners you can almost without even knowing figure out where their money came from because these guys are all in their 70s and 80s, and every last one of them at some point or another had that money in oil. And they may have branched off to other stuff, but that money's either in oil or they were selling cars at some point. <laughs> and they the, just had a bunch of <laughs> But bottom line, the audacity, is, you know, the audacity to, to take the land, to take the oil off that land and to claim all rights to everything that comes from that and not divest it back into the community is so ridiculous to, to it's it hurts to think about and that's the kind of thing that that you have to reconcile that that's what these owners are by and large yeah well it's a, i mean the the nfl owners are very old school american capitalism right very you know generational wealth very old money the nba owners are a little more new money uh, and it's easy so it's easy to fall into those kind of stereotypes right where it's like the old white guy versus the new kind of hip Happening in uh, Santa Clara, white guy, and and to some degree, those those stereotypes bear out over how they treat their players. But as Daniel points out last week, and as we are kind of pointing out today, the difference between old money and new money isn't really that different right now. Um, all of them are pretty silent, you know. The new money's pretty just as silent as old money right now. And so, as much as it's easy, and you know, I'm guilty of it as well, as Daniel kind of called me on it last week. Of falling into those kind of stereotypes of hey the NBA is innovative it's new it's 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 caring and then to some degree that's that's a fact but in a lot of ways it's it's still old not old it's still billionaire white men doing billionaire white man things 
Um, so you're is, telling me Kyrie's right? Yes, as much as <laughs> as much as us <laughs> all to I mean, think that a flat earther could have good points. Um, he has extremely good points and valid points, and I'm eager to see where they lead to. Um, if they lead to any more owner accountability, um, if it leads to a player schism, as far as will they be able to get on the same page about what they want to do as, as a collective um, in, in yeah. any meaningful way? Um, will they be divided on that on that issue? It's, it's yeah. interesting to see where they're going to take this, um, but as far as Kyrie holding the owner's feet to the fire on a lot of issues, COVID, how they're going to be protected in COVID, not seeing their families, you know, uh, why should I come back and play for you? What are you going to say on these issues? All those grievances, they're valid grievances. Agreed. And, and so it sounds like you guys have. <laughs> so we're done, right? All right. <laughs> I'm on this issue. Um, and it, we actually have a pretty neat little segue. Um, I, this is a topic I think that Daniel's kind of been keeping up with even a little more than I have. And that's that while we, while we talk about Kyrie holding the owner's feet to the fire, the players who will, you know, they will their own kind of power, but they're actually in a more precarious position to, to actually wield it, which is why they haven't. Um, over historically over the years um, is the college athletes. The college athletes are starting to get involved in a big way. Um, we saw today uh, Chubba Hubbard uh, holding Mike Gundy accountable for supporting a very extremist uh, right wing network. Um, he had a shirt, Mike Gundy had a shirt on um, that uh, touted uh, an extremist right wing network. And he said he, he couldn't, he couldn't vibe with that. He couldn't come back and play for a man who would wear such a shirt like that. We saw, um, over the I weekend. have a quote here for you, D, if you want me to read it. Yeah, go ahead, D. No. Yeah. So, no, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, so, yeah, so for what the picture is, is, um, you know, basically, I think Mike Gundy went out fishing, I think, part of some of his boys. Um, he had on a shirt that the shirt was, like Derek was saying, for um, OAN, which actually stands for One American News Network. Um, and this rubbed Trevor Hubbard, you know, in the wrong way. The reason being is that I'm sorry. The recent things since it rubbed Chubba Hubbard wet. <laughs> I'm sorry. The wrong way. <laughs> to be fair, Chubba Hubbard's a great name. Yeah, it is. Juvenile. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but yeah, but yeah. With this network, though, um, they've already been quoted as being very against you know Black Lives Matter, calling them you know fake, uh, a radical movement, all that kind of stuff as well. So Trevor Hubbard being himself a, you know, a black man himself and also an athlete, he put out, pretty much put on Twitter saying, I will not stand for this. This is completely insensitive to everything going on in society. And it's unacceptable. I will not be doing anything with Oklahoma State until things change. Uh, so himself, uh, other current athletes for Oklahoma State, other former athletes from Oklahoma State also chimed in on that as well, saying that, I mean, I think they feel that you can have your own views, but when things like are going on right now, you kind of have to be aware of how things look, kind of have some type of self-awareness of who, you know, who you're working with, who your family is, which in this case, as a coach, your family is going to be your players. So if your players are going through something that's affecting them, you know, very deeply, you should have some type of, some type of, uh, some level of awareness about what's going on and, you know, kind of act accordingly to that as well. So he might just grab a shirt and threw it on or whatever, but, so if you're someone who's normally in the media, someone who I would think is pretty educated in terms of hearing him talking and stuff, like, you know, what's going on, you know, what stuff says on your shirt. So you see what's on your shirt when you're wearing it, you know, if you put something on Facebook or Twitter, other people are going to see it all around the world because you are famous. 
you should have some type of accountability for what you're putting out there. And yeah, they, they were pretty much saying that if some things don't change, if we don't get some type of statement or whatever, then I can't say that we're going to be playing next year for OSU because, you know, enough is enough and we need to have some type of answers. Yeah. And you know, you know what kind of, I mean, the fact that you even have the shirt, it's not like they're, they're, yeah. so, they're so popular. Ain't nobody handing that, hey, man, here you go. That you, you just happen to have a shirt. You didn't know what it meant. You have to kind of go out of your way to obtain a shirt of that nature. So, I mean, he might try to spin it, but it's it's pretty unlikely he just happened upon said shirt yeah. uh, without knowing well, anything he, about it. Doesn't he wear yeah, a mullet? Yeah, he came out and said no, no, no. Your benefit of the doubt is out the door. Hey, hey, you better not be slandering Joe Dirt. Nah, bro. <laughs> nah. Uh, he had been quoted saying before, though, that the reason why he liked the, the network initially was because, from his words, not mine, that they were pretty even killed in terms of reporting news. It wasn't too left, too right. It was kind of just the information, and that's what he loved about it when he first saw it. So I guess that's why he went out and got the shirt. So um, I don't know if he's been watching since whenever that happened, because that hasn't been the case <laughs> for a while now. But that's what he came out and said is the reason why he initially had the shirt in the first place. So because so. I've, I've, I've looked into sites like this before, because it, it fascinates me that these sites exist, like almost to the point where it's like, holy shit, people pay attention to this. A couple of things on that. One, when they say it's centrist, when they say it's like, oh, they're giving both sides of the argument. No, they're digesting everything in a way that, that, that makes racism palatable. Like, I've read these articles, and they will literally break down, like, like this is the problem, but isn't looting so much worse and stuff like that. And that's the kind of nuanced critique that these are giving. Like, these are not nuanced at all. These are literally just right-wing sites, but they're not literally yeah. calling people the N-word. Like, that's just straight up what it is. <laughs> so um, yeah. when you say stuff like that, it's like, whatever, man. You know what it is. And if you don't, then you're, you're an idiot, and your players have every right to criticize you on it. But like Derek was saying – That's probably even worse, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Where it's horrible. Go. Like, you should be that, – that ties into what Derek was saying, though. Like, for me, this fails so many checks. There are so many ways to stop this picture from being taken. One, don't own the fucking shirt. Like, I, you, you, don't, you have to buy merchandise. Like, I, you don't just – like, I like – watching CNN. I'm not going to buy fucking CNN merchandise. That's not how it works. Unless you just really ride for that network. No, nobody does shit like or that. Or you work for so, them. That's what, oh yeah, that's what, I mean, so there's reasons like that. But like, you don't buy this shirt. You believe in it, and then you buy that shirt. Two. I've never seen a Fox News shirt. Even with all the crackpots that's yeah. watching Fox <laughs> News and they fan, I've never seen a Fox News shirt. Yeah, it's shirt. propaganda. Yeah. I don't see it. NBC got a peacock. I mean, you could just rock that and people <laughs> I've never even seen that, dude. Like, nah, man. I, so I ain't that. that's check one. Like, that's the bare minimum. Don't own the fucking shirt. All right, step two. You've owned the shirt. All right, cool. At that <laughs> point, don't go out and pu don't go out in public with the shirt. Watch like, if this is a shirt way. you really believe on, like, if, if I like me personally, if I was to go outside and my shirt said something like "White Lives Matter," I would be like, hey, maybe this ain't the shirt to wear. If this is truly what I think, <laughs> maybe this ain't the shirt. <laughs> you got to a wear. tattoo of that. <laughs> But that's what I'm saying. So when you get to the point where it's like, all right, now this shirt is acceptable for me to wear in public, you failed check too. Now you're on like, all right, not only do you fuck with it enough to buy the shirt, now you're actually rocking the shirt in public. And then step three, man, I hope this picture doesn't get taken with me wearing this shirt. You can't tell me he doesn't like think that. Oh, this is oh, gonna man. Be all of these checks fail. Like you, you don't get. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, this, maybe this 14 or 15 fish on the table. What was that? 
Step four, don't post a picture with the shirt on. You took That's a picture. Saying, there are so many ways to prevent people from knowing you're a racist. You know how racist you have to be to be caught as a racist? <laughs> like, it's just... But maybe, maybe, he had to, maybe he thought all those fish that they had on the table that they caught, maybe he thought the fish would distract everybody's eyes. It's like blocking the shirt. <laughs> Look like, how good we did, nah, guys. Bro, your angling skills is not directed anybody to just away from the way in shirt you got. Oh, homie. Nah. Tell me why it felt like Austin was getting the background around Austin was getting darker and darker. Did the flow more head, sinister? Yeah. More sinister. I know. I. I mean, it's dark in here. I don't know. What to in the say. background. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> but um, in, in addition to uh to that, which came, which uh, happened uh, which happened largely today, uh, we also had the uh, the, the UT athletes as a whole, uh, kind of pretty much an athlete from pretty much every sport came together um, to write out a list of demands that they wanted of the university, which included taking down uh, Confederate monuments uh, that are on campus. I know because I've seen them because that's where I went to school. Um, they, it, it uh, included renaming some of the buildings that are named after noted racists. Um, I know that those exist because I literally lived in one my freshman year. It was called Simpkins. They've actually renamed that one because that guy was just so racist that they had to do him first. He was he was so outlandishly racist. They had they even though they've kept a lot of the other stuff up, they like he hey bro, bad. So they changed him, <laughs> and so um, and then they also um, they were calling for the athletes to stop seeing the eyes of Texas. Which if you don't know the eyes of Texas, it's the alma mater for the University of Texas. Um, it has a very racist history. Um, it was basically performed first at a minstrel show. Um, it's its tune is 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 derived from uh, another song that we is from. It was performed at a, m a minstrel show that actually has become popularized within culture. It has the tune of "I've been working on the railroad." But what people don't know, and frankly, what I didn't know before this uh, happened, is that "I've been working on the railroad" comes from a very uh, is it comes it has a very racist past and it's been kind of desensitized to be able to be palatable for culture over the years. Um, and so, and then the words that are in the song. Um, are pretty much derived from statements that have a, a racist origin as well. Um, there's a lot of good literature online to read about it if you want to get more specifically into why the Eyes of Texas is a racist song. Um, but make no mistake about it, it's a racist song. And, and frankly, I'm I'm behind on this as well. I went to the school for four years. I've seen that fight. I've seen that alma mater uh, pretty much after every football game. I had no clue what I was singing and, would, and continue not to know to this day. I forgot the song because I'm not into stuff like that past the point of, me being in school but uh but i i when i i had no clue to this to till saturday um when the ut athletes called attention to it i had no clue just how racist and vile that song and its origins and it, pretty much every aspect of it are um and i've just been singing it my my since since 2008 i've, I've been singing it and 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 you know uh and propagating it throughout throughout my life um, it, without any kind of clue of what I was, what I was per perpetuating. And so um, what they did was, uh, A, uh, probably very hard because just because you wield a power and they do wield some power, you know, they will, they don't wield the power that Kyrie Irving wields. Um, they, they don't, they, there's stuff in the line from them. If they don't have livelihood yet, they have the ability to turn this into a livelihood, which could get stripped away from them at any moment. So they do wield some power because if they all decide to link together, which it looks like they have. Um, that is where their power comes from. But, you know, without that kind of consensus, 
um, they can it can go awry for them pretty quickly, and it still could go awry for them quickly if the if things um, are deemed to be uh, unpalatable, and they and they you know they end up having to make some real sacrifices. Um, but so that came out over the weekend too, and it just kind of keep uh, it all kind of congeals into this this topic that we had today, which is basically the athletes are holding power or they're speaking truth to power. Um, and so what, what did yeah. you guys, what, what, what thoughts did you guys have on this? I know I kind of spoke for a while. I, I was filibustering a little bit. Filibuster. Well, actually something similar is going on at A&M as well, which is my former school. Um, so we have on campus a, a statue. Uh, we call him Sully. So uh, Lawrence Sullivan Ross is the statue. And actually, since I've been to school, they've been trying to get that statue removed as well. But now it's getting more steam. A lot of players are getting behind it as well. So the reason why he had statue in the first place is that at one point in time, he donated a lot of money to keep A&M going. So that's why we still have the school now. Um, they say he helped also to um, create Prairie View A&M, which is at HBCU. So like, okay, he's done, you know, good for the school, good for black people. So he's good, right? It's like, well, no, if you want to look at his history, he actually was a, uh, a, uh, a general in the Confederate State Army. Um, he was part of the Texas Rangers. Um, the way he made money was a little bit shady as well. And in terms of he might've been propagating also things like slave trade and such as well. So even though people try to clean it up on one side saying that, you know, he's done good X, Y, and Z is like, okay, that's fine. But that still doesn't mean he deserves to have himself being glorified, you know, for all of eternity in the middle of a, middle, middle of a campus. Um, so that's going on. That's kind of close to home for me. But I think, yeah, it, it, it's kind of a thing that's been brewing for a little bit. You kind of saw it with the whole, you know, players trying to get paid for the likeness, you know, deciding to skip ball for going to the G League, stuff like that. More and more players are kind of being aware of what kind of power they actually do hold. And it's also being that same thing for football as well, because before there might be repercussions if one or two people says it, but if the whole team is like, hey, no, we don't like this and want you to change it. I mean, they can say, okay, we're not going to change it. Y'all can suspend it, whatever, but it's, not only going to hurt them for those players, but also for further players in recruiting. Because at some point in time, basically this is going to be, um, it, it basically is going to be just that they need these players to come play for them and they're going to do whatever it takes to get them, how, how it's been so far. So far, the players didn't know that that meant that, yeah, they actually may change their views on things or do different things or change people in power because they want to win because y'all make them, we, they make them so much money. So at some point in time, the players are starting to realize it's like, yeah, me, before I'm even on campus, I have a lot of power that I can wield. When I'm on campus, I have power that I can wield. Uh, when I leave campus as a former student, I have power that I can wield as well. And it, it's kind of amazing to see that it's all at once coming out to where players are starting to step up and starting to understand like, okay, you know, we actually can influence a lot of things because we make this whole thing run. And if we stand together, then yeah, you pretty much either have to do what we say or some school is going to do it. We're going to go to that school instead. And then they'll have all the good players. They'll make all the money. They'll win all the, all the games. And at some point your fans are going to be like, Hey, we want to win games too. So y'all might want to take down these statues or, you know, do something or pay them or something or whatever, because we hate losing every year. So. Well, not only That's that, but uh, alumni, well, just right? Super alumni, quick, because I, I want to throw it right back to you, but real quick on that, what does it take? Like somebody's got to tell them directly, like, oh, I'm not coming because fuck your statues? Well, That's my question, but yeah, go ahead. Sir. That's what I was going to say, though. Yeah, but it's so going to that, but that's that's really more or less a starting point. Some 18-year-old mm -hmm. kid is going to have to say that. And that that's going to be your starting point. But then this is what happens because what well, not even your starting point, because what we're seeing right now with UT and a little bit with uh, A&M, 
current players are saying something. That's going to lead to recruits. And then next thing you know, hey, what happens when all those guys that came from that college and went to the NFL, um, they write alumni checks. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know they I don't. I don't have to have gone to college to know that professional players in whatever league they're in, they write alumni checks to their alma maters. They pay for things uh, because of their pride in their school and because they want the next level of kids that come down the line because of their fan. You know, if you're a UT fan and you happen to have gone to the school and went on to the NFL or the NBA or whatever, and you know that this recruit, that recruit, and that recruit might come to that school and they go, hey, man, uh, KD, I need you to, uh, I need you to holler at this kid out in Maryland somewhere mm-hmm. that's from your neighborhood that's uh, considering Texas and a bunch of other schools. Now, I need you to talk to this kid. Guess what happens when you have a group of kids that are currently at that school and they say, damn, um, you guys got these statues and all this stuff and we're learning about this stuff and we're going to understand about this stuff. And yeah, we're here now, but guess what? I'm not, if I move on to bigger and better things, I'm not going to tell my kids 20 years from now to come here. Or I'm not going to tell the kid in my neighborhood that maybe is considering going to go play football. Hey, you should go to this school because I went to this school. It can, it, it just, it just builds from there. And yeah. the thing is, is that these people that are at these schools don't think that will ever happen. And we're seeing right now proof that it very likely could. And we're seeing the roots of it right now with what we're seeing with AM and what we're seeing with UT. We're seeing the roots of it kind of spreading out right now. And that's just the beginning. Um, and it and it really mm-hmm. very much could lead to a point where it starts affecting recruiting. It starts affecting alumni money. It starts affecting a lot of things. So that's highly likely. I mean, I could see, I could totally see that happen. And then uh, to answer to answer Austin's uh, Austin's question, uh, we, we're hitting a saturation point, right? Where these all of these protests, all of these um, this outcry is, is filtering down to the younger generation, and we've already seen that the younger generation is already a lot more politically minded than even we were, and we were, you know, we were fairly rowdy as a as a as a generation when we were kids as well, um, and so that's as you know, kind of the gap between the boomers. And and uh, the millennials, they kind of took the they kind of took the time off, but we kind of got back to that those roots. Um, and now the generation behind us, Generation Z, they're they're very very active. And so there's two reasons. So you see that you see that influence um, on how social media and uh, you know a kind of a consensus around uh, consensus building around there and filtering that down. But also you know you're starting to get to the point where mom. Mom is listening as well now, and mom has a lot of influence. So those coaches go in, they they wine and dine. Mom specifically, right. mom has a lot, wields a lot of power, and and mom seeing these images on TV and seeing UNOAN shirts and seeing that you have Confederate statues, and you know maybe she didn't necessarily care before, but she cares now because she's seeing it, she's hearing it, and she's hearing you don't care, and you know yeah. that's what she cares about. She cares that you care, and that's so when Mike Gundy goes into a household. And he says, oh, I love your boy. I'm going to treat your boy right. I'm going to raise your boy right. Well, you can't raise my boy right if you have, you know, if you have an OAN shirt on. You can't raise my boy right if there's a monument to some racist from the past that didn't even win the damn war on right. your campus. You, you can't raise my boy right if you if you don't feel like Black Lives Matter, even if that's something you've said, um, but your actions don't show it. And so we, we see that the generation behind us, they're already a little more socially and politically savvy just because of how media works in this day and age. Mm-hmm. And we're also seeing 
we also are likely going to see um, mothers and fathers uh, get involved and, and kind of fill those gaps in for maybe kids who necessarily aren't as politically minded and steer them in better directions. And I think that's how the actionable actions of what um, UT athletes, A&M athletes, uh, uh, Cheva Hubbard, them creating a stir along with, you know, what we're seeing protest-wise is creating enough awareness within the world to start building upon those things. Uh, and that's why it's so important to be vocal and to speak out and to use your platform to do these things because it matters. Um, it, it, it puts it into the, the, the media sphere. And once it's in the media sphere, it's very hard to stop. Yeah, and one big part of college sports in general is negative recruiting. So these schools look for anything they can to say, hey, don't go over there because of X, Y, and Z. Don't go there because they have a, uh, a cheap facility. They don't have good weights or whatever. Um, they're not going to pay. They're not going to help you to get money from your likeness and stuff like that. If they can say, like, yeah, don't go over there because, hey, did you see this clip about them saying, like, yeah, they don't care about these uh, racist statues on, on their campus. So are they really going to take care of you over there? Are they really family? Are they really for you? Or are they more just want to use you to make the money? So, and that's it. they listen to that all the time, and they hear this every day from multiple coaches all across America. So if you're that, you know, school is going to stand on, yeah, no, these are statues, they're going to be like this, they're not going to change anything. That's, of course, their choice, but a lot of times they try to change a lot of things. They spend a lot of money to avoid having people be able to say, hey, they don't have this, so come over here instead. Because it's really just those top-tier players they're trying to get that sway of program, kind of like the whole Kyrie Irving, you know, argument and stuff, too, is like, you want to do what you can to get those top tier players and you'll try to do what you can to, to entice them. And if there's something that's like a glaring weakness for you, you're going to try to correct it or she's probably going to miss a lot of players, yeah. which schools definitely don't want. Well, I mean, you think about, it's funny because I can think of three quote unquote power conferences right now, big 12 sec for sure. They got some moves to make because mm -hmm. it's, I don't know if there's a school that doesn't have a Confederate <laughs> statue or a building named after it or something. I'm trying to think yeah. because I'm not 100% sure on every school. But, like, when I think about at least just those two conferences, I can automatically think that pretty much every school probably has something that they need to probably get rid of uh, that could affect recruiting when they're going after certain mm -hmm. players. ACC probably a little bit, too. Um, you know, and not to just make it a South North thing, but let's be realistic. That is exactly what it is. Um, there are some schools that are in certain regions of the country that bottom line is they love to slap a Confederate loser's name on half of the buildings in the city, much less the college. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's some, there are definitely some schools in some con in, a, in a handful of conferences that got a lot of work to do because it is probably going to affect um, uh, it's probably going to affect recruiting. So it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out. Um, I mean, we've already seen some stuff right now, but it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out over time, though. This yeah, this whole Southern Pride thing has always kind of myth me. I never really got it because a you lost. You're a loser, and, like, you're on the wrong side of history. Everyone knows that. Almost anyone who's not, you know, just virulently racist knows that the the it's, they were treasonous. It's treason. Right. And you lost the war. So even though – so, like, at least because, you know, the founding of this country, this country was founded on treason, but at least they won. 
So they got to escape their dream. You lost. You couldn't even do the thing that the, the that your forefathers did and win and escape your trees. And so you just had to be held accountable, which you know is is another thing that you know kind of in history the North was kind of let off the hook for not. Yeah, really they they were never they were never held accountable. That's the point. Like they never held the South accountable for you know treason, um, and they just kind of let the South do whatever they wanted. And Reconstruction was kind of shitty and so inst- they put a new apparatus of Jim Crow laws in yep. effect that kind of stuff but in addition to that it's always under the guise of southern pride well it's like well black people are part of the south as well so how can you tell me it's southern pride when it, you're literally flying in the face of that by a celebrating losers which we know this country hates to do and b alienating a whole group that makes up a good portion of the South and has helped build and we built it. <laughs> we built it. <laughs> we built it. For free. And so this whole Southern pride bullshit has always made me mad. It's like, well, it's not Southern pride. It's, it's white pride. And it's not even, it's not even white pride. It's, it's right. treason pride. <laughs> so it's like I've never gotten the whole we have to hold on to this because it represents a portion of our history or whatever. So does slavery, you know, you can't wait to tell me why I shouldn't care about that. You know, for Germany, so did the Nazis. They had a whole history, but you know, we actually held them accountable and they held themselves accountable and they erased that part of the history. Why have we not done the same uh yeah. with the with this with the Confederacy? Why would Nobody's we ever celebrate the Confederacy? Some of these Nazis are still going to jail now. Like 75 yeah. years later, there's still dudes going to trial because they found out that they were Nazis. Like, yo, that old man that lived down the street from me? Yeah, man, he was a Nazi. They picked him up last night. Like 80 years later, like, we didn't do that. We, imagine. Like, and, and, these guys retired to their plantation that some black people, slaves built for them. They retired to that joint and just kicked back on the porch. Like, that was it. Imagine like, oh, man, y'all lost. It was like, it literally was like they lost, like, the NBA game in history. Like, oh, you lost. That's it. Peace out. It's really not funny, but now I'm picturing, like, the Northern South, like, doing a handshake well, line. But they're like, doing a handshake <laughs> line after the game. Like, all right, good fight, good fight. Hey, like, they, they, they might as well have, like, dapped up. They might as well just dapped up afterwards, like, yo, yo, yo. Must, Maybe next time, homie. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you got this next year. Oh, come on. Yeah, you, you, got, yeah. you almost had us, man. Man, imagine. But I, I really, it's really not about erasing history because, of course, you don't have to erase it because we need to understand what's happening. It's just the whole point is you shouldn't glorify something that should be seen as like a, a you know a blemish on on your country. So when it comes to the Nazis, that's not being erased. People still know what it is. You can still go see stuff like that in museums. Um, they still have outswitches and all that kind of stuff you can go visit. But it's not actually being they, they don't have statues of Nazis and and like a, a school or you know at like Capitol Hill Imagine or <laughs> they don't they don't fly swastikas all over the country. It's like no, that what, that doesn't make any sense. We're not proud of this. We're ashamed of it, but we won't forget it. Right. So that's why it's like it doesn't really connect. Imagine having a statue built for you solely, solely because you were a Nazi. Like, imagine that. That's crazy, right? It's like, but he was a Nazi, but then he did some good later on. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. No. (laughs) It's like, I don't care. First off, if if you're still alive, you're still going to jail. I don't care how how much good he did. (laughs) Like, they're literally still holding these cows accountable. 
Yeah, I want to touch yeah, on. Yeah, like, well, I'm sorry. I was gonna say I want to touch on the the whole the whole um, Southern pride in, in terms of this and, and erasing heritage or what, whatever you want to call it. You, you know, to play devil's advocate for a brief five seconds because I don't believe in any of the fucking thing I'm about to say. But oh, sorry, little little ones here. My bad. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Whoops. So, anyways, um. The devil's advocate is that they they treat them as like they were courageous warriors fighting for what they believed in, right. and that's what they're that's what they're worshiping when they when they talk about this. So here here's kind of the the bottom line: Pokemon Go has been around longer than the Civil War lasted. <laughs> four Where years, just over four years. Right. That's how short the Civil War is. Like right. this isn't this isn't heritage. This was literally them acting like bitches for four years. That's what the Civil War is. It's yeah. not some long-standing, like, they're trying to erase our history. Right. No. Y'all took up arms and lost the battles. Right. And, and it wasn't, like, some long, drawn-out thing. It wasn't years of oppression. This yeah. was literally y'all being told to not have slaves, and they're like, well, no. And, and then a Civil War happened. This yeah. isn't heritage. Like, the heritage is slavery. That's what heritage you're standing up for when you do that. Yeah. So the, the whole notion of your erasing history, that's not fucking history. It's four years. It was four years. <laughs> And it just shows you kind of how prevalent that mindset is and how ingrained it is to where even I, even though I, I know what I'm arguing, even I said erasing history when I know that we're yeah. not erasing history because that's not how erasing history works, right? Like they didn't, like Daniel said, they didn't erase the Nazis from their mindset. They did actually quite the opposite. They've held themselves accountable and, and, and promised never again. And they've held themselves up to that ideal instead of celebrating, um, instead of celebrating treason, like the, you know, at, to Austin's, uh, brief, you know, you know, kind of trying to show us what the other side would be saying, you know, they didn't, there's everyone who's ever fought in a war in history believes what they believe, you know, they believe, they believe they're fighting for the right reason. That's not good enough. Sometimes what you're fighting for is shit and you luckily you lose. And then we get to tell you, Hey, that was shit. Here are the penalties. Right. And instead, yeah. you take this L. <laughs> Now hold this out real quick. But instead, we've decided that for whatever reason, people who are solely famous, it's not like even George Washington and, and like an Abraham Lincoln who has his own checkered history and such, at least they are remembered for things outside of some of the other heinous things they did. These Confederate generals are only remembered for their part in treasonous activities. And that doesn't make any sense. No. They they literally are known for taking that L, like yeah. what, what is it? Um, which one was it that was it Lee that surrendered? Like the like the like the one that he's known known for. I'm like, word, you got statues of this dude everywhere, all over the country. And what's funny about that is is Lee himself. One, he he knew it was over. He was like, right. all right, we're we're done. We're we're gonna have to do this now. And two, he himself was very public about like, no, like the Confederacy needs to die because yeah. I believe in America over the Confederacy. And that doesn't seem to fucking matter. Right. Because no, it's not about history. Yeah. It was never about history. I mean, it was about history, just not yeah. the, the good parts of it. <laughs> In other words, we tried, <laughs> we tried it. <laughs> Remembering shitty ideals in history for history books, not for statues. <laughs> also, all those statues went up because of the Daughters of Confederacy. I mean, you can look it all up. Yeah, Daughters of Confederacy put up all these really shittily made statues right when Jim Crow era laws were passed right. because they wanted to enforce mm -hmm. Jim Crow era laws. Right. They weren't. They weren't built because of the confederate. Uh, they weren't built because of the confederacy. Like I said, it was only four years. They didn't have time I mean, to make. How many years later years. was it? Like some of them were in the nineteen twenties. 
Or even later than that, yeah. I mean, yeah, people like just threw them up. Them statues went up in the 1920s and beyond, and it was about, hey, you, you see this right here? Watch yourself, because yeah. Tennessee. We, we can do this again, homie. Like Tennessee's Capitol Hill has a statue commemorating a KKK forest? member. Yeah. The, the, it, the forest dude, right? Yeah, it, he's yeah. A, an ex-KKK member. And, and they're and some, legit fighting. Right now they're claiming that they're going to put it, they're going to replace it maybe with, with Dolly, Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton, baby. <laughs> but, and I'm like, hey, that, I, I'm with it as long as it's 9 to 5 Dolly Parton. But the point I'm making is, I, okay, is that another reference? I, oh, no. Oh, we, we, I'm down we with Dolly Parton okay. everywhere. So yeah. anyhow, <laughs> my point is I'm with that because she probably represents the state probably better than just about anybody in the world probably would at this point other than uh, Shorty Black from, um, from, uh, from Hustle and Flow. But that being said. <laughs> nah, I'm not giving him that one. <laughs> I'm, not giving, I'm not giving him that one. Hey, but man, like, I remember when y'all used to shake the uh, The existence of statues. Hey, Shorty, what happened to you, dog? What happened uh -huh. to you, Shorty? <laughs> what happened to you, Shorty? Hey, man, I'm just nah. saying. Uh, we miss you. Home. <laughs> we miss you, but come, come home, Shorty. Come, come, come on. home. Come on. <laughs> come on, man. But not like the existence of statues to me. It doesn't even matter. Like I don't. I personally don't even really care about statues. But the, yeah. the sheer fact that a KKK guy has a statue. Yeah. And they're debating removing it. <laughs> like it's, it just it don't it's it's dumb, man. Uh, oh, it, there was one other yeah. thing I was going to bring up while we were talking about it because I just wanted to run through it super quick. When when Derek started it, almost when we started this this part of this this talk. We're talking about um, that we've reached a saturation point. Um, I don't know personally if it's just because I'm getting older and, and I'm seeing things more and, and whatever, or maybe the times are changing in the sense that there is that saturation point where people are now more aware of everything. Um, but like almost every facet of, of American life is steeped in some form of discrimination, racism, anything like that, whether or not it's innocuous now or, or if it has like more sinister meanings. Like I shared something with Derek the other day uh, that I went back and looked for because I, I we had joked not too long ago where Derek had learned what the when when you say you've been gypped, like you've been you've been gypped, like you everybody's heard that phrase. Well, that literally means mm -hmm. you've been treated like like a gypsy took something from you, which to an American that doesn't really mean too much. But basically, gypsies are, are an ethnic people, and it's saying that you've yeah. been treated like they've they, you've been acting like a gypsy basically, right. and, and that's ridiculous but it's now part of american culture it's now part of language gypsy, gypsy is a is a racial slur for romani people yeah yeah exactly um yeah i mean i'm saying it i'm saying it willy-nilly but yeah i was setting the context because that's that was the context around why saying gyp is bad because gypsy it's not like gypsy is like black it's it's like the n-word so yeah Oh, it's it's a slang term. It's a derogatory slang term. Exactly. So, like, I found a list of it, and, like, I'm just going to read a couple of them to you because this is shit that I didn't even know. But when you hear a word like the grandfather clause, where something gets grandfathered in, I didn't know the origins of that word. Apparently, it came from, like, even something more heinous I can imagine. The grandfather clause was a rule that was passed back in the late 1800s where for you to vote, you had to prove that you had four grandparents in this country. Uh, black people couldn't do that in 1895. <laughs> So the whole point of the grandfather clause was literally to, to alienate black voters. Now, fast forward a hundred years. Now it says like to grandfather something in or whatever. Like this is just everyday language. We literally have that language in our contracts at the insurance company. Exactly. Like it's, and now it's innocuous. <laughs> like, you know, it doesn't mean what like, it did, yeah. but like, that's how language works. And, and then like some other ones that just popped out to me, um, being sold down the river. I mean, that was blatant. 
But <laughs> literally, yeah, like you say that frequently. Even so you ain't got to explain that one, bro. <laughs> no, no can do. <laughs> Apparently, no can do was because people were making fun of the way Chinese people talk because it's broken English. Wow. It's like, oh, no can do. No can do, boss man. Like shit like that. Wow. Like that that was literally to make fun of Chinese people. Long time no see, making fun of Indians, Native Americans, sorry, wow. Native Americans. Like that that's the kind of shit that's just part of everyday language. So like as I get older, like I'm learning all this shit and it's just crazy to me. But I think it also is is information. It's more readily available now. Like we've reached that saturation point where people are starting to realize, yeah, everything's pretty fucked. And you have to actively work to get rid of that. Otherwise, it's just going to stay yeah. the way it has for the last 100 years, 200 years, 300 years. I mean, nothing's going to change. So I don't, I, that's just something – like I always find language fascinating anyways, but that was just something that, that came up when you were talking about that saturation point. Like to me, I mean, it is. Every, people's moms are now talking about George Floyd. Like that's the kind of shit that's changed. Yeah. Yeah. And to, to, your, to your point, you know, this, like I said, this weekend I've been working on the railroad. I would never have yeah. silly thought – about it. Sometimes I hum I've been working on the railroad because yeah. it's just the tune that gets in my head. Steeped in racism. So it's like, it's all around you. You just have to look. And now there's more places than ever to see it. And there's more people than ever to make sure that you see it, um, which it was ultimately was Austin's point. Um, so any uh, last words on this, uh, that, uh, you know, about the college athletes or, you know, even the Confederate statue? Uh, we didn't even get to the part where NASCAR seems to be the most progressive sport in America right now. We haven't even gotten to that part. So NASCAR, baby! <laughs> we're all, all going to be NASCAR fans soon enough. Shout out. So the guy who came out against NASCAR, the one that said he's quitting NASCAR, this blew my mind when Cicarelli? I heard this. His name's Ray Cicerelli. <laughs> so, you know, shame on him. Every, every, all the shame on him. But his name is Ray Cicerelli. Yeah. His name is Ray Cis. Like, that's that <laughs> That's that dude's name. <laughs> nah, but you know what's funny is uh, Bubba, Bubba got in. Bubba Wallace got in a little. Uh, it was a jab. He he didn't even try to disguise it. But they asked him about the guy, and Bubba Wallace was like, um, I, "I don't think I've ever competed against a dude. I don't even know who that dude is." <laughs> like, like he literally was like, "I don't even know who that cat is, bro." Like you made him up. I would because they said right like, "What do you think about your competitor, Ray, Ray Cicerelli?" and he was like, well, first of all, I wouldn't even call him a competitor because I've never raced against him and I don't know. <laughs> and I was just like, wow. <laughs> so he, he made very clear that this dude had absolutely no standing. And which is why it was like he may have got his 15 minutes. But other than that, like nobody gives a crap what this dude thinks. Yeah, they're like, oh, yeah, Oops. that was wonderful. I mean, he I, I'm just so glad he entered himself into the conversation. It was worth him having his 15 minutes of fame just so that everybody could flame the fact that nobody knows who the hell he is. Like, it was just, yeah. so, it was so awesome. He probably, you know, his dad probably owns a dealership somewhere and he was like, hey, you know, uh, I'm gonna put some money and we'll build you a truck and, you know, you'll go and do some stuff. Get him on a racing team. <laughs> oh, and kind of random, kind of random. Derek, did you know that at UT the players are required to sing the fire song? Did you know that when you were at school there? That they had to think it? I, I, they always did. So it never occurred to me that it just wouldn't be a thing that they just wouldn't do. Because I didn't know. Apparently, the athletes, which, and it's strange to me that I covered this and I just never, I was oblivious to me. I feel, honestly, shame on me. But it, it was strange to me that apparently the athletes who've come through have always known that, or for the most part, have known that this is a racist song. And so, of course, they would have to be made to sing it because once you figure out what it's about, you would never sing it. 
And so, yeah, because, yeah, you know, when you think of it as just as normal, like, fight song, you're like, oh, school spirit. They're just singing it because they have school pride. When you know the origins now, all of a sudden, you know, it makes sense that they had to force some of the people to say it because why would I sing it if I know what it's about? Right. Wow. Yeah, I saw that in their list of, like, things they wanted to have changed, like, don't have the players required to sing it. I was like, why would you require your players to sing it? I was like, what in the world? I know at a and I don't see the players saying that, so I, like, I don't think it was a requirement anywhere, but that was kind of strange when I saw that on their um, their list of, for the, from the players. That's yeah. wild, man. And so, yeah, I mean, there's a real come-to-Jesus moment for, for me on Saturday. Hey, man. Life is learning. Yeah. Uh, so any, 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 any more shout-outs to Bubba Wallace or any more shout-outs to <laughs> <laughs> uh, we want to get to on this topic? I'd like to hand out an, uh, an award. We can make this a part of the podcast if we want, but I like to hand out an award. I'm gonna I'm gonna start calling the "I said what I said" award, and I'm handing it out this week to Greg Popovich. He did a New York interview. He doubled down. With Maureen Dowd, and he basically basically said the team came to him and said, "Hey, we're losing season ticket holders," and he basically told the team. I said what I said. <laughs> and, and ain't looked back since. And as you hey, notice, there ain't no shortage of people getting those tickets. Yeah, he's got progressively mm-hmm. more outspoken. I think he's always been outspoken, but as far as like the media is helping because they're asking him questions that they know he's mm-hmm. gonna riff on. And he's basically, like I said, if I'm on, I'm happy to give this word out, take about two minutes to give this word out every week. I will happily find somebody to give it to. But if this is going to be the first, I said what I said award is going to Greg Popovich this week. Cause he said what he said. And no, let's, 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 he pop, baby. <laughs> pop. pop out here spit knowledge. We can, we can he was coming know. for like the, he was coming for Roger Goodell, the NFL. Like this dude was crossing sports. And he he came came out the day. He came <laughs> for everybody. We yeah. we can also have an award in that same vein that we could also go to pop. Call it the Good Guy White Guy Award. Look at this, this is Good Guy White Guy. <laughs> Because I mean, he, he's an example. <laughs> he's literally, a, he's 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 the ally example right now. Like, it, it, this is somebody that literally learned, like I really mean, learned how to me, be a part of of the solution and made himself a part of the solution. It I feels mean, to me like he's just reaching that that point where he's just done with it, man. Yeah, like, well, no, like I mean, you know, under it's an underlying narrative in this, but yeah, I mean, everybody knows he's at the end you know, of, of an illustrious career. But that's why I brought up the fact that this started several years ago. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and even then, of course, he's on the back end of, of a brilliant career. But that being said, you know, it's obvious that he got to, to a point where he was like, it, it was almost like, um, what they going to do? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that last yeah. trip was in 2014. What they going to do? Like, I feel like we, you know? I feel like we've all hit that breaking point at some point. Like I know yeah. I for sure have where it's just it's like, at a certain point, it's like, man, fuck y'all. <laughs> it's just how it feels. It's like, like, why am I wasting my energy with y'all? Well, it's exactly, <laughs> it's exactly what you need from a, an ally that is white, which is that, you know, Greg Popovich has a certain amount of power. Like we've been talking about uh, with Kyrie Irving, he, he is not going to be fired. He's going to be able to do things on his own terms. And he's using that power. He's willing that power to to speak out and to be a voice and to try to rally people around his cause who are of his same persuasion. He talks a lot about how white people need to do more. 
And that's kind of been his rallying cry for a while that white people aren't doing enough. And he stands by that. And so he's as much as it's actually a good thing to, uh, it it fits in perfectly with the episode, Terrell, because we've been talking a lot about people in positions of power and people in, in coaches who don't care or have shown an aptitude not to care about their players. And Greg Popovich is, is showing the opposite of that. He's showing what you should be doing and how you should be approaching these issues and things of that nature. So um, he's actually the perfect foil to a lot of what we've been talking about, which is, you know, why people who are in power not caring. And he, he does. He cares. And he shows it. Agreed. Yeah. Way to go, Pop. So yeah. on that note, <laughs> I guess we'll go to the greatest segment in the history of the land. In all the land. Yes, sir. Is this your king? Derek, awesome. uh, Derek, Derek, I, I heard that uh, I heard that you got somebody to take the task today. Is there is there something on your mind, Derek? Yeah, there is something on my mind, Austin. Thank you for queuing me up, sir. Uh, well, for, first, you know, I was gonna sh- I was gonna flame Mike Gundy, but I think we flamed him already. Uh, I don't think I, I, I specifically flamed him, so I don't think I need to continue to flame him. You know, care about black people, you recruit them. You know, it's pretty simple. Care about them. Don't wear stupid shirts. Yeah, let them live. Let let them live right now. Let them live, man. Yeah, right. I'll take I'll take him off the grill. Well, he's on the grill, but I just won't continue to grill right now. You got him on that upper. You got him simmering up on top. He's on that one up top. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm calling Ed right now. I'm putting Ed. No one for your list. Yeah, you know, add add him to the to the Trey Blanco grill. I'm sure Ed (laughs) will get to him later. Um. I have a little brief something for apparently people who would watch SpongeBob SquarePants, but oh! would, you know, Ooh, lives in a pineapple under the sea. sea. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, take exception to the fact that he could be he could be gay um, over the weekend because uh, it's Pride Month. Uh, Nickelodeon show, showcased some of their characters who, you know, would be allies in, in, and or a part of that community, um, and SpongeBob was a part of it. They didn't specifically say that SpongeBob was gay, but SpongeBob, according to the creator, is asexual, so he fits into that community and also would just be an ally because that's how SpongeBob SquarePants gets down. We know what the show is. We've seen the show. We know what it's about. Uh, SpongeBob, very clearly an ally and is also asexual, so he's a member of the community. And apparently, there's just outrage that a cartoon character would deign to be gay in front of their children. And they don't understand why we have to know what kind of preferences SpongeBob has because it's a kid's show. And it just underlines one of the major problems in this country that people view sexuality and sex in a straight line. Um, That you can't have focus on sexuality without propagating sexual acts, which is absolutely not the case. And we know that's not the case because we watch heterosexual people kiss and be in relationships all the time on television. Yeah. In children's cartoons. And no one, nobody says anything about them. But that that doesn't have any, you know, that doesn't have any chance of turning a child gay, as we know people think, that you can just be turned gay by the media. And so for anyone who thinks that SpongeBob SquarePants, who is not gay, but if he was gay, that is somehow a problem to your child, you're a ridiculous human you have ridiculous thoughts educate yourself support your children because unfortunately the likelihood is that you're probably raising someone of the community and you're raising them poorly and that just sucks because kids deserve to be loved and they can't even be themselves in front of their own parents so be better so that flames to you i'm gonna send you over to the ed white <laughs> flames to you. All the <laughs> <laughs> flames. <laughs> flames. <laughs> 
I got. You know, I want to piggyback off it real quick because I got three yeah. things to say to that. One, real quick, in in a, in a quick quick hitters, real quick. One, it reminds me of a great joke that I heard. It's not even a joke. I mean, it's really sad because this is this guy's reality. But he said, I remember one time I was practicing eyeliner in the mirror. My grandpa caught me, and he made me use a chainsaw for four hours in the backyard to toughen me up and get out of there. And he said, so now I'm gay and know how to build a log cabin. So like that's <laughs> like that's the reality. It's like all right, cool. You. you your homophobia words in the log cabin republicans <laughs> hey there you go <laughs> but that's like that's that's that that whole mindset it's like you know you got to get the gay out of them and, and it's ridiculous it's just it's so ridiculous but uh two um you shouted out gabriel union recently like and everything that, girl. That, that that proud voices are doing to to stand up especially mm-hmm. here in, in pride month i mean it, it it goes a really long way um and especially because something that, that has been kind of a bubbling topic for a while and I think it's ready to kind of reach over that that peak is trans rights because at the moment trans people still are not viewed the same as even gay people and it, it's just the reality like there's there's people being left behind um, so I think it's super important that that a you've got stuff like Nickelodeon showing out for for um, any community but specifically for the LGBTQ community you know doing their thing to, to support like at the end of the day making Spongebob part of that is just opening up that that avenue for more kids um and and you know it just goes from there and then three um because you know you you teed me right up into it and because i won't shut the hell up about it and i'll never shut the hell up about it y'all need to watch keep up because this is a show (laughs) with zero zero protagonists that are white every member of the show is a poc in some way shape or form one of the characters is straight up gay. He says he's gay in the sixth episode. It's not even a thing. He's just like, oh, no, I'm gay. Th- that's it. Like, that's the end of that. Like, they don't talk about it. They don't code it. They don't do things like, oh, you know, he might be. No, he's just, this is me. This is who I am. And throughout the entire show, this is how it is. But what stood out to me most is that now I was, di- I was deep diving kind of into the music for this new season right here. And I posted about it not too long ago. They have a song on their soundtrack that is a trans woman rapper. I don't think anybody could name trans woman rapper let alone one that yeah. spits fire like this one right here so uh the the whole the whole show is about representation and to tie it to what Derek's talking about like that representation like it's so refreshing to see because it's a show where literally every single character in the show is not your cookie cutter character like they're they're their own thing and that representation goes a huge way i see people you know it's it's really nice to see people just get so touched by it because at the end of the yeah. day, like I'm me, I don't, I don't have to do this. Like at the end of the day, I, I can be me. I'm, I'm a cis white male. Like, I don't have to give a fuck about nothing. But like to see these people who have no relationship support structure to have their representation like that, oh my god, it's just cool to see. Yeah, that. yeah. Two, okay. That's two, two animated shows that are on Netflix that are uh, doing good work within you know representation. Shira and uh, Kipo. Both excellent shows. If you have some time, if you're, if you're in quarantine and you want to binge some great entertainment um, that you can watch with your kids, you can watch by yourself because I watch them by myself because I don't have kids. Uh, She-Ra and Kipo. Uh, so excellent. Swear by them. Um, She-Ra, unfortunately, it's Is that, was that mad? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you, free pub. Oh, I'll give free pub. Yeah, I was I was there for negotiations. Boy, I'm gonna give free pub to Las Palabras. They got 79 cent chicken tacos oh, today. Man. Oh my god! Oh, what you doing, man? <laughs> no, 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 no. no, they you don't get free pub, man. But, 79 oh. cent tacos. Oh, <laughs> Representation on Netflix can get free pub, but not tacos. Anyway, because <laughs> hey. I got I got one more person to, to put on Ed White's grill to put on Trey Blanco's oh. grill, and that surprise, uh, huh? Oh, surprise. Yeah, surprise. 
I didn't tell y'all about this one. Brett Kavanaugh. <laughs> you're back again, and, you know, nobody likes you because you're very clearly a rapist. You should not have the seat on the Supreme Court that you have because you're very clearly a rapist. And now you're going to try to argue against uh, gay and trans rights by saying that words don't mean what words mean. And if you read the dissenting opinion for today's ruling uh, that essentially said that employers cannot fire people simply for being uh, gay and trans, as three employers on three separate occasions tried to do, uh, two were shot down in in the uh, circuit court. One was actually uh, got through circuit court. They were all three tried in the Supreme Court. 6-3 decision um, uh, with actually Neil Gorsuch of uh, Republican uh, poster boy frame who was supposed to lead the revolution against abortion rights actually writing the majority opinion. So that was a shocker for everybody. Uh, but of course, Brett Kavanaugh, the poster child for just indecency, had to write the dissenting opinion. He tried to counter, he tried to couch it in language that made it seem like he was still an advocate for, for gay, for gay and trans rights. Um, and tried to congratulate them on their on their hard-earned victories that he has no part in and would like to dismantle himself. But in the end, all this man argued for a smooth 12 pages that I had to read was that we couldn't possibly uh, tell the employers that they can't fire someone for simply being gay and trans because the Title IX doesn't specifically say that uh, sex uh, sexual orientation discrimination is in the language of, of Title IX. It merely speaks about sex as it relates to being a man or a woman. It doesn't speak to who you love if you love a man or a woman. And so we couldn't possibly decide. Uh, this is for the Congress to decide, even though Congress has failed on s several different occasions to actually link up the House and the Senate to pass a bill that would guarantee that you cannot be discriminated against for uh, being gay or trans. And so we, we couldn't possibly take this on ourselves as a court because that's not what the court is for. And we can't interpret language this way. We have to go by the actual book definition. We can't, you know, use our brains and decide, hey, maybe if you're, if you love a man, and you're a man and you're fired based on that, that could maybe fall under Title IX because, you know, that's related to sex. We couldn't possibly make those logical leaps because that's just a bridge too far. And now everybody in public is going to think, man, I can't believe the judicial system is is going off on its own tangent and, and trying to make law. They're reinterpreting law. It's anarchy in the streets and the, the, the public couldn't possibly stand for this and fathom this. And it's very clear that he's setting himself up for when he has a chance to make a ridiculous ruling, he can say, well, hmm, I, we, we, I saw this, we saw this overreach in the court on this occasion, so now I thought we had a basis to overreach right now, and I see what he's doing. It's insidious. You're not an ally. You're not a, you're not a, you're not a, you're not a respectable judicial authority. I see you, what you're doing. You're trying to set yourself up for later down the line when y'all try to undo abortion rights and you're going to couch it as in, I can reinterpret the law how I see fit because that's what we did here. You're not slick. I'm onto your game. I know others are onto your game. You, again, you're not a fan, an ally. You're not any kind of anything for anyone in this country besides white men who like to get away with rape. And so 
Join everybody else. In fact, you know, you can get your own separate grill because that's what you just, You need to burn a little bit. So you get your own separate grill for Brett Kavanaugh and his bullshit dissenting opinion. He, he'll, get, he'll get his own grill, man. He's going to get his own grill. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that was what I was trying to apply. So I'm yeah. thinking for me. It's, it's awesome. Thank you for that. Um, I, I, think I, I think I'm done trying yeah. to get flames. I, to, I, I don't want to harp on it. On the flames. Yeah, I don't want to harp on it too much either, but you're right. Dissenting opinions are very important because they set legal precedent. Even if it's not the ruling, it sets legal precedent that people can go back and point to. So by doing it, like, he's he's getting his own words in. I feel like Roberts um, was going the other end of the spectrum. I think he's setting himself up for what he thinks is going to be probably a bloodbath in November. And um, with him going with the, the liberals, on, I, I have a – I don't know. I, I know he's supposed to be like the – whatever you want to call it. But I feel like considering some of the decisions he's made on some other things, um, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I feel like he feels like the tide is changing a little bit. And um, I mean, I I know they're supposed to not work that way, but I feel like just, you know, noticing, you know, even with Gorsuch, I mean, like the two of them, like to me, I don't know. I just have this strange feeling like maybe they feel like, you know, things may not be, you know, the, the country may not be seeing things the same way they're trying to see them right now uh, here in, you know, the next six, seven months or so. So I don't know, man, maybe we better start <laughs> leaning. <laughs> no, that, that's, actually, that's actually a really good point. Because, yeah, they're seeing like the way things are shaping up, the way the narrative is going right now is like, OK, apparently Republicans do not like <laughs> black people, do not like anybody who's not, you know, white or maybe like a white male or something. And while that might have worked in the past, you know, before, at some point, it's not going to be able to hold out and it's going to be like a landslide the other way if you don't try to head it off or do something to say, okay, well, maybe Republicans do care about more than just white men. So I can see that being a factor as well. Um, I mean, just kind of how reading the law, it, it, it seems like pretty straightforward, though. It's like if you fire me because I'm a gay man. But if I was a, a woman dating that same man, you wouldn't fire me. Then that's because of my sex, right? So I mean, <laughs> it's not even that. It's not even that. But even Neil Gorsuch was like, "Yo, no, like it's about sex, right? A, it's about the sex of the person." So, and he even referenced Kavanaugh's dissent. It was like, uh, "My colleague is gonna say this," but and basically, honestly, it was it was kind of hard. He was kind of hard on him because like, "My colleague's gonna say this." Basically, it's bullshit. That's basically what he said in legal. I mean, personally, I've always thought Gorsuch thought Kavanaugh was trash. I, something in my head tells me that Gorsuch doesn't f with that dude. Like I don't know. I, I, mm. I have nothing to base it on. I just I get this impression that the other conservatives on the Supreme Court don't rock with that dude. Like I just get that impression. He strikes me so much differently than the rest of them. The rest of the conservatives. He doesn't seem he, he he doesn't seem like he's accepted by them. I, I know that sounds like a weird way to put it, but he oh, just no. doesn't seem like he's in the same professional standing as them. He just seems like a guy that they knew they could get through, so they just put mm-hmm. him out there. Well, because he's not, and I mean, he showed himself not to have the um, the temperament. I mean, look how he acted. Thank you. And they, they saw that. They saw that he doesn't have the temperament to be a Supreme Court justice. Right. And so I'm sure that colors, even if you're, you know, on the same side as him philosophically, that has to color, you know, your impression of him is that he doesn't have the temperament to do this job. Why is he here? Um, but let's, uh, you know, I, 
it was a good win today, and you know, it, you, Terrell could be right. You know, we could be shifting uh, towards uh, more wins in the future, but let's let's not get complacent. No, you know, no, no. Uh, abortion rights are still under fire. If you give oh. Trump, if you give Trump another four years, they will be they will become under more fire, um, and he will oh, oh, un, more than likely be the one who replaces Ruth uh, Bader Ginsburg. Um, if he gets another four years. So, you know, there's a lot on the line this election. The Supreme Court and Roe v. Wade is definitely still one of them. Um, so the, don't don't think because, you know, Neil Gorsuch is smart enough to know this was a battle he couldn't win and is smart enough to, you know, write the, the majority opinion on it that we couldn't still see, you know, Roe v. Wade flipped um, if we don't do the right things uh, and, and use our political powers as such. Vote local, vote everywhere. Don't just yeah. vote on the president, man. Vote top to bottom, homie. Pay attention. It all matters. It all matters. It really uh, anything else you guys want to say relating to anything before we get out of here? Fuck Matt Gates. I knew you were going to say that because he did some more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm you didn't say anything about him. I, mean, I mean, way, I'm going to look like the worst dad in the world right now. <laughs> like, I don't. <laughs> I mean, it's all me. But, uh, I mean, he, he, he out here tried to make it illegal to protest the anthem in soccer. Yeah, but come on, he's man. Trash. Mm. He's only there because his dad. We all know a Matt Gates. It was funny is that we're all on camera. Well, not Daniel. Daniel's been smart, and of course Terrell's not. But me and Austin are on on, on camera cursing in front of a child. Everyone can see it. It's gonna be on YouTube. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, I was like, what are you? not gonna be pleased with this episode. Had you not acknowledged it, we could have put a disclaimer like, "Yeah, my kid didn't hear any of that." Well, you can still do it, but not anymore. <laughs> not to say that. Yeah, no. We can lie. We can lie to people. It don't matter. <laughs> we control the we control the narrative. All right, fellas. Well, another outstanding episode of the weekend to take. We didn't have Ed to put people on the grill, but we grilled some folks ourselves. We we did. We had our own little grill today, and there are a lot of people on it. Uh, so for Daniel Davidson, Yeller, Austin Brazina. That doesn't work. It doesn't work on audio. I know. Thumbs up. Thank you, thank you, Austin. And thespian Poppy himself, Terrell Huff, with uh, the unofficial guest of the podcast, uh, Thomas Huff. Yes, that's it. Yo, Yo. indeed. Thank you. Double it. Ah. Double indeed. Triple indeed. I am D R Lewis. The third, baby. Not, not the third, Daniel. Work, third. Work, on, no? work on that. Work on that in the off in the off time. That's my bad. My bad. I'll, I'll do right there. Not I'll do the it third, like right there. Yeah, you'll you'll get it one day, even though it's on the screen. I thought that was thought that was satirical. Ah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hit them with the outro. No. <laughs> the weekend it take because the week may end, but sports don't. Goodbye!